0: Hey there, guys and gals, it's me, El Capitan Muerte himself, Captain Death, here to tell you guys about an exciting new announcement I have that I'm going to put online here for a couple of the episodes. We have a new merch store up on redbubble.com, www.redbubble.com, backslash people, backslash El Capitan Muerte. Uh, You know, buy a sticker. It's like three bucks. Have, have fun, you know, you do you uh, Anyways, uh, moving on to the show uh, Thank you all so much for your patronage And stay Spooky your shake and shudder in surprise When you hear these Sitting outside, fucking staring into the fire, seeing God Himself looking back at me, telling me to kill them all. Just, <laughs> just keep saying kill them all. And I'm like sitting there giggling like a little, like a little bitch, uh, cause I'm too fucking high on my edible snickerdoodle. <laughs> sitting there eating weed snickerdoodles, getting high off my ass. And next thing I know, I'm the only person sitting outside, staring at the fire. It's like they both left me. They both left me and went inside.
1: Who's who's the better Bowers boy? Is it the the one from the the miniseries or the one from the? the
0: oh, the guy they get to play as Bowers in in chapter two is great. Is he? He's good. Oh, good. He's real good. The old version of Bowers in chapter two is very th- very threatening feeling. Okay. Um, you know how um, in the miniseries he's kind of like a blubbering nutcase? Uh,
1: yeah, mental institution.
0: Yeah, like yeah. you're not you're not sure how this guy is going to be capable of killing yeah. a bunch. Yeah. He also looks like he's like 40 yeah. because of the white hair yeah. when he's supposed... To, well, not 40 is a
1: bad way. He looks like he's like 80. Yeah, he looks like a generic... Like a... Not generic, but he looks like a
0: but his real age is supposed to be like 40 something yeah. and you're just like why is this 80 year old playing yeah, it's like, like an 80 old so okay. there's no white hair or anything okay. moment in in the first movie so in the second movie he's all um he's just a nut and he's he's threatening he has a threatening presence about him. Mm-hmm. the guy the guy who played him in the other one's really great Good. no i'm i'm t- i'm we are here to talk about something else actually because I recently covered oh man a lot of horror movies on a on an older episode. We've started we've started recording episodes where we just talk about horror movies. We don't read any stories mm-hmm. and we just cover like all the new shit. Sure. It's a shorter episode because we're just talking about new shit. Mm-hmm. But um we've recently those episodes have gotten really popular. We've done two of them where we just talk about all the new horror movies that came out recently and break it down and give them each like a 15 minute review. Gotcha. And then it makes up like an hour, an hour and 15. Makes sense. I I know that would work for you. Yeah. But we're only going to talk about one thing. Sure. Today. And we are going to read some stories because I have, I always have stories for you because your, your reactions to the things I make you read (laughs) are just (laughs) fucking great. They're the reason why your episodes do so well, because if, if I don't make you upset with something we read, then I didn't do my job here.
1: <laughs> it might be, I might be one of the few people that's legitimately terrified, or not not even terrified, it's, but like legitimately scared by a certain thing. I feel like so.
0: So there are there are people who we read stories with on the show who end up telling me that like they're actually afraid of certain things mm-hmm. that we've covered, and like you don't. Like you can feel it. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a couple of our listener, uh, our speakers on the show uh, feel like little bitches for a moment. I'm gonna call them out. But Terry the Tickler is like genuinely afraid of Jeff the Killer. I think it's just the image because the story is garbage. But like, uh, that's a pretty creepy picture, and um, he's genuinely terrified of it. He also he gets scared of things very easily. You could tell because he'll just go, oh no oh no when we're watching horror movies mm. in the background he'll just be like oh no yeah. it's hilarious it's one of the funniest things because he is like, genuine he's actually upset and the, the body reaction is oh no I'm, I'm the same way it's hilarious I'm, uh, yeah. um, I'm also going to call out crying Hawaiian who has a very a very vivid fear of certain things like um, aliens aliens uh, skinwalkers, fish people. Like, <laughs> uh, if any of these things existed, Crying Hawaiian would kill himself in a minute because he just... He can't handle these things existing. He he doesn't like things that imitate people gotcha. or look like people okay. and then reveal themselves to not be people. He finds that shit haunting. It's ba- he, he doesn't like the Cthulhu-esque gotcha. madness of altering human form i suppose um and he's a he is a little bitch about it <laughs> he is a little bitch about it he will um he'll be like oh no man i don't fuck with fish people <laughs> it's, it's great it's great his episodes are hilarious he also um on his ouija board episodes we read a two-part story about a Ouija board. He was like crying while we were reading that. He was like, "Oh no, these bitches are gonna get killed. We can't." Oh fuck! <laughs> like he was so worried. The entire he was like, "These girls don't understand what they're doing. They're they are uh, uh, they are linking themselves to an infernal contract." He's like explaining all of these things. He's like, "Their forever souls are gonna be damned." <laughs> You got to say bye to the board before you close it. He's pointing out all these things. <laughs> He's so upset with like the way the story is going. Oh. Yeah, I'm sitting here with Scutch McGee, who um, I love to remind uh, of the fear of children yep. and the fear of clowns and the fear of sleep and the yep. fear of darkness. Yeah, those are the fears. I feel like I feel like
1: uh, <laughs> I am scared of more uh, like natural occurring.
0: You're afraid of real things.
1: Yeah, like, I'm, I'm afraid of things that actually, like, you experience every single day, necessarily. Like, you know, I'm still the guy that will like, uh, walking into a house or walking into a house that's dark or walking down a hallway that's dark. I'm like, man, I don't like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't, man like that. I don't
1: like that. like it's it's, it's... Oh, shit. A yeah.
0: I'm going to Halloween Horror Nights, the Universal, the big, the Are big you really like the Nights? big one? They're doing Us... Oh, Creep oh, show, man. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, House of a Thousand Corpses. That'd be a good time. They're doing House of a Thousand Corpses this year. Stranger Things, dude. I bought. I bought me and my brothers an express pass yeah. so we could just walk to the front of the line of all of the haunted houses.
1: That's gonna be it's, gonna be, it's gonna be gnarly. <laughs> I,
0: I told them the first thing we're doing when we get back. Um, from that trip as we're recording and we're talking about all those haunted houses experience. Yeah. we're gonna like break down which was the most effective yeah. house and which was the stupidest yeah. house and like Universal they they put like a million dollars to each house man hard. They, yeah. they have five original properties, five movie yeah. properties ten houses and then you gotta walk through like scare zones like the park is yeah. like also scary yeah. they don't just throw a million at the houses to build these special effects Mm. and oh they're doing ghostbusters this year that's pretty cool they have this effect they have um uh it's the haunted mansion effect where you you have glass but you can't you don't you're looking at a hallway but you don't know there's a plate of glass there and they're projecting onto the glass with a light and then it looks like something is floating down the hallway towards you and i'm just like yeah. I'm going to shit.
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. They're
0: going to put me in that library scene yeah. from Ghostbusters that I've been afraid of ever since I was a little kid, and that librarian's going to be like, shh, and I'm going to be like, i going to like poop yeah. my pants. You yeah, know, Universal's <laughs> name. <thing. laughs> shh. Universal my thing asshole.
1: cranking out, like, Iconic War forever. So this is like right up the alley. Like,
0: One of the houses yeah. is uh, Frankenstein versus the Werewolf. That's amazing. So this is
1: like Iconic or This is like... The basis of they are the pros yeah they're
0: they're doing a new park yeah it's called like epic universe one of their uh corners of the park is going to be horror that's going to be awesome it's uh i think it's going to focus on um dracula's mansion or something and it's going to be an actual ip yeah with like character meet and greets like creature of the black lagoon uh frankenstein werewolf mummy like they're giving them their own section of a park yeah soon. I mean, Nintendo is also getting a, a very big section of that mm-hmm. same park. Yeah. But I think that they're, cool. they're ranging it from, like, children to adults. They're kind of, they're doing, like, Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon, um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the yeah. Harry Potter spinoff. Um, and then they're doing, like, Nintendo, and I think Universal Monsters has been, like, confirmed. Like, they want, like, a horror ride. It should. And I was, like, no one would do this better than Universal.
1: Have you? I mean, that's true. Sure.
0: The mummy ride is already yeah. really great. Yeah. But it's dated as fuck and the animatronics look like garbage yeah. now. So, like, give me a spooky fucking Dracula ride where I'm going to mm-hmm. poop my pants. Some cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's some no, it's going to be great. really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so, <laughs> the so technology cool. now, man. It's so crazy. It really is. Yeah, I'm here with Scutch McGee. I don't think I every time I want to introduce him, I keep forgetting. <laughs> Scutch McGee, I am here with, uh, we like to um, read stories about children, ghosts, Ghost. uh, monsters, killers, yeah. clowns, clowns, dolls. Dolls. Even uh, We've even gotten into like the metaphorical side of things, where like the killer is like a shadow, or the killer is like sleep.
1: Sleep is not. You know. Sleep, uh, is, sleep is terrifying. <laughs> sleep is terrifying. I hate it. Yeah, we
0: got into terrifying. the, we got into the dimension of sleep in yeah. your last episode. I think we, we like to get into theoretical discussions about yeah. like why people are afraid of things. I think that's fun mm-hmm. where you analyze your own fear, try to figure out where that came from or where that started or what trauma you have associated to oh, that. A, you, you have a lot of
1: trauma. I have a lot of, I have a lot of those. Like, <laughs> have so a lot I know like, trauma. I know like my, um, I know like my fear of dolls comes from a specific time in my life where like I remember we had moved into a new house at some point and uh, my room was being remodeled. My mom at the time was collecting, used to collect Raggedy Hand dolls and various porcelain dolls and stuff like that. And she had a room that was literally set up where there was, you slept in the bed, there was a mirror that was basically set up across from the bed. So when you looked straight forward when you were sitting in bed, you looked into a mirror and the way that... The dolls were set up was that they were set up on a wall on shelves behind the bed itself. So, basically, so you're
0: looking at the mirror, looking so at, at the dolls, looking, the mirror, looking at you,
1: looking at the dolls, looking at you. Fuck so, that. and there was, I, I, there was just time and time again where you you know you wake up at night and you look into that mirror cause and you're and is,
0: you're seeing a face and you're
1: seeing faces so really looking at you.
0: the uncanny face. valley effect. Yeah was probably huge because you're seeing something that looks human but it's not human yeah. and you're just like bugging because it's dark and it looks
1: like and, it's know, looking I at you light hits certain ways so you don't know if they, you feel oh, like you, things are moving all your over your mind place. is a very oh, powerful oh, oh, tool
0: yeah. Yeah. For, to, for freaking yourself the fuck out my my
1: fears are they're practical and they come from areas and uh, things <laughs> that I've seen before and, and it's not you know I'm not afraid of characters and things like that I'm afraid of things that See, you know what I mean? Like, that actually exists. exists. The tricks that your mind plays on you. you I'm the
0: the only thing I'm afraid of now because, like, I've jumped out of a plane. Like, I got over my fear of heights pretty quickly. Um, My fear of water. Like, I'm a scuba diver. I got rid of that pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. Like, uh, fire is cool. I smoke a lot of weed. I don't really care about fire too much. You know, the Amazon is burning down. We're all going to die. What I fear are the internal, like, the mental things. I, I fear um, uh, both mental and physical ailments. Like, I fear growing up getting Alzheimer's and like having to wake up every day as a different person. Sure. I fear, like, you know, getting into a debilitating accident and not being able to speak for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, I fear being put into a coma and never coming out of it. But I also kind of like the sound of that one. That sounds fun.
1: Being, going up, yeah, up being in a coma. Yeah, being in a coma like every, constant dream state. being
0: in a dream, Vanilla Sky, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. I won't have no crazy Kim,
1: Cameron Diaz. Kim. But it's- I swallowed a cum. That scene that, scene right that one. You're like, oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> I won't have
0: that bad dream, <laughs> yeah. I
1: swear. Yeah, that one anyone who yeah.
0: anyone who swallowed my cum knows yeah, so really that like, like oh, I won't my have god, that bad yeah. dream.
1: Yeah. So I'm like all, my, like, all my fears... Like, I'm not afraid of... I'm glad you picked that up. Yeah. I'm glad you
0: nailed that line above all lines <laughs> in the
1: movie. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not afraid of... I'm not afraid of what grabs me in the dark. I'm, I'm afraid, afraid of the actual dark. I'm afraid of getting dark. a
0: heart attack. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm actually afraid of the dark itself. Like, I I don't care... I don't care if it's a two-year-old kid that runs up and grabs me in the dark or it's a man that grabs me in the dark or it's, it's a the dark that it's the actual dark itself of just not knowing what's actually in there it's not what actually grabs me in there it's just no, not knowing I what's love actually that. there in the first place
0: I think that's great
1: so uh, it's all practical like it's all yeah you know what I mean it's not it's almost even
0: tactical to a point like you you don't you feel uncomfortable because you don't
1: know and it's, it's always, it doesn't seem like it, it falls into all my other fears. Like sleep. Well. sleep. It's
0: like you don't know what's yeah, around you. Exactly. Your body is vulnerable. You are, you are recharging. Yeah. And there could be someone standing over your body just like looking at you. We time recently, time. we read a story about that in episode 140. Shit yeah. fucked me up.
1: And I know. The yeah. story
0: was about a wife that just stands next to her husband's bed and stares at him while he sleeps. It's, it's not. It's like. It's like, the worst. <laughs>
1: Paranormal like paranormal activity. When paranormal activity came up, like I know like some people were like, Wow, it's like a real it was like because really, it was like had a lot of Blair Witch stuff to it, right? Sure. So like when Blair Witch first came out, all handy cam no Very budget, no budget, it, yeah. Yeah. no budget to it. No budget to it and paranormal activity was basically like almost like a modern version of Blair. I know like completely different style of movies, but in the same that's kind right. of way, just super low budget, you know, story like but man, like paranormal, like that falls right into my Real house of shit, like both of those actually, like Blair Witch, yeah. complete darkness in the woods, right? You know, and then you have paranormal activity. Basically, there's that gnarly scene, like of all the stuff that happened in the movie between her freaking out and the demons and shit like that. The scariest thing about that entire movie to me was that one scene where it shows her literally just standing there for like six hours, just standing over him while he's sleeping. Right. And he was like, he looks at her. He's like, "Why were you doing?" And she was like, well, "I don't remember doing that." And it's like man like you you have no idea like that's happening and I mean like you're sleeping 30. yeah and she just literally just stood there and watched for six hours and there's that time where literally like life's so fragile where like she could have just pick someone up and just stab them to death and that would have been in the movie in the first place right yeah. that's the end of it but like that's what's that's what's so gnarly about that like of all the things I'm like that's what's fucked up that's sure. the fucked up the demon part's nothing I don't Car's care, the I don't care about nothing. the
0: being thrown across the yeah, room by an imaginary sure. fucking thing yeah. that's, that's not scary <laughs> I, I absolutely agree the it's, yeah, it's I absolutely agree and I and I actually, I don't love either of those movies, yeah. but I respect both of those movies. I yeah. actually like the um, the new Blair Witch more than I like the old Blair Witch. It's better.
1: It's a better movie. I, it absolutely, it's is. a better horror movie.
0: It's better monsters.
1: Dialogue's better. It's actually written that better. that absolutely yeah. better. I,
0: yeah. A lot of people shit on that one. The new one. Adam Wingard was very upset. And he he's a good movie maker. So I'm I'm sad that he was sad.
1: There is there is there is one of my favorite horror like funny scenes that happens in the original Blair Witch. Which is? And it's uh, the I, I can't remember what the girl's name in the movie was. I don't remember either. But there's a part where they're just looking for the map. And they're <laughs> yeah. Looking for the map, and he's like, can, "Where's the map? Where's the map?" And they look at Mike, and like, "I kicked that fucking map." <laughs> and he was like, "What the?" Yeah. He just starts giggling. He just starts laughing about it because he's, just he's so, lost. Yeah, he just lost. Truly lost his mind. I kicked that fucking map into the river. It's so good. <laughs> so it's random. so random. Yeah, that's so random. But every time I see it, it just cracks me up. Like it's it broke that movie so much for me when I'm watching it, and there's just that one part, and I just start cracking up because man, it's, it's so good. It's just <laughs> one line that's just so good.
0: I you know, they recently the um, they recently made a Blair Witch video game.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Yep, the old man and the dog running around...
0: In the woods, yeah. using your flashlight to like... Uh, the shadows are like monsters, and you have to use your flashlight to kind of get them to stay away from you. It's very Alan Wake.
1: Video game war is gnarly these days, man. It's great. Yeah, it's gnarly these days. The story... It's, it's really good storytelling.
0: I would say Resident Evil 7 is nothing like the rest of the Resident yeah. Evil series, and it is probably the, like, coolest horror yeah. narrative we've had in a very long time. It's it's photorealistic. Yeah. The, the things look terrifying. It is constantly tapping into the things people are most afraid of. Really? Like, yeah. the mom goes from being this overbearing yeah. bitch into a literal insect monster okay. that crawls out of the walls. Like, the... The redneck son... Yeah. Goes from being a stubborn asshole... To like an evil genius... Who sets jigsaw like traps... Throughout the house. Yeah. Like... The dad is... This overbearing asshole... That you just can't fucking kill. Yeah. He takes your gun, yeah. puts it in his mouth, pulls the trigger, and blows his own brain out of his skull. And then comes walking into the n- the next room with his brain reforming on the side yeah. of his head.
1: You know? It's gnarly. It's gnarly. And he's it's- just like,
0: hey, 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 welcome to the family,
1: son. Yeah. It's just... The you deepest get, you get parts so of those body. movies, and so into those games, into and they're like they're
0: like sixteen hours long. Yeah. So you're like running around this
1: haunted house yeah. trying to fucking survive. You're invested into it. You're trapped. Gnarly with headphones on. Oh, you know I mean? like like you can. It's adaptive to as far as you, you want to be. Have you seen
0: Alien Isolation, the game?
1: I, I played it. I played Alien Isolation.
0: I can't do it. I can't play it.
1: Yeah, it's it
0: taps into the visceral fear I felt watching that movie as a ten year old.
1: Just not knowing where anything is. What can
0: thing. what can you do up yeah. against that thing?
1: Yeah. Besides hide.
0: I literally yeah. I literally like my character, like when I first saw it in that game, I I literally just like hid under a desk and I just sat there. Like I put the controller down for like fifteen minutes and I was like, it keeps walking around the room. It's still walking around yeah. the room, like, looking for me.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder what I can do. Nothing. I wish I could kill myself. <laughs> it's
1: like... I'm it's like, so yeah. I, I gotta get across this yeah. room.
0: And it keeps, like, the, the proxy mechanics of this fucking AI is just to fucking seek and destroy. Yeah. And uh, I'm stuck under a desk. Yeah. and I'm afraid that if I try to make a run for it, which I did, it fucking got me yeah. and killed me and I fucking screamed like a little girl <laughs> I was like, ah! And its tail goes through my chest and it uh. grabs my head and kills me and I was oh man, that game produces such a physical fucking bad. fear yeah. for me up against an unstoppable threat
1: you feel like this stuff about everything especially that, I mean that's what essentially what your slasher films are those are unstoppable threats. All those alien, Right. your mainstream Jason, Michael Myers, Freddy, right. like there's no way to and, stop and I, those things. And I
0: like, play Dead by Daylight, yeah. where you can play up against Freddy, you could play up yep. against Michael Myers, like, and in those games, I feel like a like a tactician. I feel like there are tricks you could use and ways to get a, yep. away from them, and they're almost like a a cliched like they're their characters have powers that they need to use to get you in the yeah. game and you you know that rule system by knowing their lore and yeah. you just you avoid them that way and the game is very simple and you just got to get out and that's yeah. the the mission get out in alien isolation it's like you got to get from point A to point B but you're running through close like claustrophobic tunnels yeah. hiding from everything and you just you just gotta get to point B, and then they'll change the point B on you yeah. like halfway through the level, yeah. by throwing a monster at you or something. Yeah. And it just like it fills me with such a dread and For anxiety. Sure. Like I've had like an anxiety attack playing oh, Alien. I, and this has A lot
1: to do with the gnarly heart, sound effects and my heart like in that bumping game.
0: out of my chest. I'm like trying to like do yeah. one of those shitty eight bit yeah. puzzles on my little little screen because they captured the movie's aesthetic like
1: so well super quiet game
0: I'm watching Gnarly Charlie just like breeze through this fucking game and I'm just like how are you doing this and he's like I'm able to disconnect like my actions as a person when I play a game and I'm just like I'm like yeah I guess I can't do that sometimes I guess there are just some games that reach into me and say like you are a pussy, yeah. and then I go yeah, yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> those, are best, those are the best things to play though you know. Those
0: the first the time I played play. Dead Space, I yeah. threw the controller yeah. across the room because no, the first thing they space. do is they put you in a room yeah. with an unkillable threat and they say run.
1: Yeah,
0: and I went ah and I threw the <laughs> controller. I was so mad. Yeah. I was so mad. I was like, why would they do this? Run! I don't want to play a game where Dead all I do is, is run away from Dead shit. Dead Space is
1: gnarly. That's a gnarly yeah. series too.
0: Oh no, I love Dead Space now. I confronted my fears. After you get your gun, that game changes. Yeah. That game changes on a, on a oh, fucking yeah. axis. Alien Isolation, no matter what you do, the thing's gonna... You can't kill it. You can't. You can't kill
1: it. It's a xenomorph. It's a it. perfect, it's perfect it. specimen. Perfect killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: and you, fuck.
1: And you have like a flashlight.
0: <laughs> yeah man. yeah it's perfect yeah man, you have a
1: flashlight and, flash and everything's quiet all the time and the sound like sound effects for that game are perfect everything's just dead quiet all the time
0: you'll hear like a hissing yeah. from down the hallway yeah. and you'll be like oh well
1: that's that's, like, that's certain death. super slight there's no real like soundtrack background music to it it's just like tension build up tension build up <laughs> tension build up and you're like oh fuck
0: oh it fucked me up yeah that's um, the game I want to, I want to, we're going to have to switch gears because naturally we're just talking about everything that we always talk about. We have to switch gears onto a topic I want to talk about for probably another 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into it. Um, On our first episode, literally the first thing we talk about is how Game of Thrones is what, what you, an amalgamation of fantasy meeting horror we told ourselves it is the world of Lord of the Rings coming to terms with the world of The Walking Dead. They literally are looking at how an apocalypse is a, is a, happening yeah. and no one is paying attention yeah. and they're bickering over a chair sure. and then the zombies are going to come down from the north and fucking destroy, destroy everything. everything. And we spent 40, 50 fucking minutes talking about... It. Talking about How we wanted Game of Thrones to end, and how, and it's been a while since we last recorded Scutch. So, I think the last time we recorded was probably when season eight hadn't even started yet.
1: Not even close.
0: And now season eight came out, and now we are here. So, be prepared to listen to 20 minutes of us. Taking a shit
1: on Game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh my god. I know this is old news for
0: a lot of people, but apparently my opinion isn't shared by the general public, and you and I agree with one another, and I feel like we have to... I'm going to put my glasses on for this one. We have to educate you motherfuckers on why you're wrong about Game of Thrones. 100%. The world is wrong. Yeah about Game of Thrones. I have gotten in an argument with a co-worker at work for saying that you do not understand what Game of Thrones was about. Yeah. If you think Game of Thrones is about who gets to sit on a chair... Sure. ...then you do not know what Game of Thrones is about. My co-worker is sitting there like... Sansa deserved to sit on the throne at the end. This is bullshit. This, this. I, I like the way it ended. Bran is okay, but Sansa's more experienced. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what's, what's the syndrome? Like, you ignorant bitch. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like you don't even know what this fucking show was about. This show was about. All the players of humanity, all the players of life, coming together to fight the true enemy, which is death. Sure. An unstoppable force of death. That is the subversion. We think we're safe in our little Lord of the Rings fantasy, with Aragorn set to be king. We think everything is going to work out. Yeah. The way fantasy works out, and then the twist was always, you can't have your things. You can't sit on your throne and yeah. and govern and just expect everything to work out. There's a literal apocalypse upon you. Oh. Much like the world. Yeah. Much like the world we live in. There's a there's thing called global warming that everyone should be worried about, and no one's worried about it, and in 20 years the world's going to be... You know, a very hot and uncomfortable place to live in, and that's just the terms we have to come, to. we have to come to terms with that now, yeah. because the world our children and their children grow up into is going to be very different than the world we live in right now, yeah. unless we start turning shit around and getting our, you know, shit in check. That's, I mean, that's what George R. R. Martin was writing. Game of Thrones about. He was saying the countries and their world and the way our world works, we all bicker with one another. We're not paying attention to what actually matters, which is standing together and trying to make the world a better place.
1: See, my, my always thought about Game of Thrones was that it was never written in a way where it was written it was always written with the main aspect of telling the story of a person's personality, much more rather than telling the story of how the world is moving on, like you know. So, I mean, like, so when people think of Game of Thrones, they think of it as you know, everything's moving towards who is going to be on the throne, yeah. right? And that's how I think the majority of people who've never really read the books not even that, but even I me, mean, some people that have read the books, and even people that have mm-hmm. just watched. The I know show, a
0: lot of people who like, read the books who like the ending of Game of Thrones, yeah. think
1: that I've never looked at Game of Thrones as being a linear move to who's going to end up on the throne I've always looked at it as straight up character development I, we are
0: like, living yeah, these characters yeah,
1: lives basically and how like I mean it, it's a cliche to think about but like even like the seven deadly how these characters you talk about like the seven deadly sins all the time and you hear stuff like yeah. that like lust and pride like greed lust and, like, yeah, yeah you know like talking about like uh, Jamie and pride Cersei and greed uh the Targaryens yeah, and Wrath. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it all matches into that. And they, it's it's the character development based around the sins that we consider sins. And it's how these characters fall into that certain mold. And the whole entire, the whole entire even, even the TV show, it, because it was following his kind of format, Martin's format, it was written into character development. We're watching these characters evolve and...
0: You look at the show from a very personable. You think the show is about the relationships and the intimate nature, and, and, and watching how these things develop, and you you judge the show that way. Yeah, which is smart because yeah. the show is about the relationships yeah. and how these people are gonna exist. You know, in this world sure. that that we are being thrown into, and I I I know you just talked about the seven deadly sins, which is which is talking about a thematic element of the show sure. I I also as much as I like the character um I don't really focus on it as much because I'm so wrapped up in the the thematics of what this show should mean and and you know where it all comes crashing down for yeah. me is actually character well more so the character of the show sure. like the, the way that the show ended and they promoted that type of character sure which, We could get into a breakdown, if you like, of how they just ruin every character on the show.
1: Every character. And
0: and when I say ruin, I'm speaking very liberally as, like, a couch critic who has only written very few things in life but has been taught uh, at an institute how to critically break something down and judge it on a both subjective and objective level. I can, without a doubt, with like money behind my thoughts, and like bet everything I know on the ability to tell how like a three arc or like character arc structure is supposed to work, <laughs> and then say that none of what the show ended with in season and eight makes sense for any of so the characters.
1: What's amazing, then, so we can look at this. We can look at the show in two completely different formats. You right. can look at the show as saying, I can look at it as just straight an example of uh, human psychology, basically. Right. Right. And you can look at the show as saying. The dialectic that, Yeah, you can say that in the show is that, like, uh, the, the entire show, what's going on in those those small moments doesn't really matter because there's just an unwavering wave coming that's basically just going to take all that stuff and show you that's meaningless. And you can look at it in that way. And the problem was that show didn't answer any of those views. It didn't, answer, it didn't either. answer either. It didn't answer either. It didn't answer it, it either. It didn't let the characters develop in a way that actually had an, an arc from the beginning to an, an end. An impact. It and didn't, it, also totes, you were and about, it also what you're talking about as far as your apocalypse. It totes, and it also didn't serve
0: yeah. the, the world
1: arc. Because it seemed like at some point they were just like, well, this really arc isn't important anymore, so we're just going to kind of end it. Which is normally because you just spent seven years, eight years... Waiting for this this arc. Building this thread. There are prophecies prophecies
0: at work. And what the writer said in season eight is... Well, those prophecies don't matter. They don't
1: matter anymore. They don't matter anymore. Just ended in one episode. It was
0: never going to be about a prophecy that we talked about for seven. And what makes the books heartbreaking is... like You know that the prophecies matter in the books. Sure. So you'd like to think there's more to it and that's why everyone's butthurt about the books not existing because that means that the writers weren't able to follow the actual blueprint that the author intended now it is heavily suggested that Martin met with HBO and laid out a blueprint and said well this is kind of what happens I am under the assumption that D&D both of the Davids um Took that blueprint and kind of said, this works, this works, this kind of works, this uh, this is okay, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, and then just wrote their own thing based off of it. Sure. It is still a different
1: product. I think you could feel at some point you felt the show change from being written from a character standpoint to almost just focusing on the action that people wanted like I feel like you went from things being super intimate well that's actually a
0: budget thing yeah the first season HBO didn't know how people were going to feel about seeing their Lord of the Rings it's love true. with R-rated nature yeah. so a lot of those ad lib scenes between you know uh, what's his name uh, Littlefinger yeah. and Varys you know you're watching all these intimate scenes with such great writing like yeah. Varys and Ned Like, talking in the dungeons. Like, these weren't things they filmed in principal photography. These are things that they filmed while they were waiting for the big scenes to be filmed because they thought that they needed more material to kind of grab from the book and fill in with the show. And the show started off as this loving project of building character and finding a way for them to make their way in the world that exists and the context and how the context creates problems for the characters we care about. And that that is why the story is compelling, because it went from that, the character-driven moments where you can have two people talking to each other and knowing that the effects are going to be felt for seasons and seasons after it. How yeah. one sentence could be the downfall of a kingdom. Yeah. And the last season,
1: yeah.
0: we're watching things explode. We're watching... So- We're watching those intimate moments um, as a joke. Yeah. Those intimate moments get turned in. Now, there are moments that shine, like uh, Jamie knighting Brienne. Like, that's a very intimate moment that made a lot of sense. And then, you know, conversely, Jamie then immediately fucks Brienne and then leaves her to go be with and die with his fucking yep. bitch of a sister that his arc has always been about him getting away from. Why? 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 What?
1: Yeah. So that's what, and why?
0: that's and that's what I mean you know the show stops caring about those intimate moments sure. and it starts worrying about the broad strokes
1: of the world. That's the show mm-hmm. starts from from that very first episode that people liked in the first place. So then the, the very first episode that, that the things I do for love. Right. So like Absolutely. The, so from the very from the very beginning episode that hooked everybody into this story, you, your story literally starts with Ned, the father figure, literally looking at over his family and how he's interacts with all his family. How he has to be this Protector. for everybody else that's And
0: not just his family. His family yeah. is also an allegory for the entire the north, north
1: the North. The North. So people. he's literally like so there's there's two parts of him where he's literally trying to be a father and he's literally trying to be protector of an entire area of this entire country at the same time and you feel the emotional attachment that both from him. Like you feel his unwavering loyalty to, to the entire people but you also feel it towards his family himself when he's talking to the kids and, about meeting the dire wolves and when he's talking to And then the
0: conflict therein yeah. is people outside of his system yeah. being brought into their his system with their baggage yeah. And ruining his system. And that is the conflict. Because so intimate. He cares about his people. He wants to protect his people. He wants to protect his family. But here comes these people with their problems. And they're bringing their problems into my home territory. And wars have started over this shit. And this is what
1: I mean by character development. So like you're so intimate with him all the time. That you're following his... The fact that he really just wants to go home and be with his family. But he's the Hand of the King. So he just wants to go home. Like, you're following called, all this... He
0: gets called yeah. in for royal yeah. duty. Like, yeah. a, like a job that defines... No no yeah. Stark, no northerner redneck yeah. fuck has ever been Hand of the King. So, so you're such and an so he, has, he has this loyalty about him to his friends and to what he thinks is right... And it gets him fucking killed.
1: But you fill these with all these characters, like so. Right. You feel
0: this kind of intimacy. It's with not all just Ned. No, it's, it's not, not just. It's for everyone. So you he feel because that's how that's how the You watch Danny turn yeah. from a frail young scared girl sure. and, into mm-hmm. a warrior queen. Yeah. You, it is a very intimate and personal process, and it should have more of an effect on me than what the fuck did I just watch. Yeah.
1: So then, in the so then, while you're you have this intimacy going on with all these characters. Alongside of that, you also have this basically unstoppable force that everybody's going to have to deal with at some point. That is also building up and building up and building up and building up. That your characters sometime find themselves. It's the doomsday clock. Exactly, and it's basically just chasing the show throughout. Right. And it's the catalyst to end all catalysts. So then. You just did seven, eight years of just building up all these characters and being intimate with all these characters and saying some stories end, some stories begin, and change its route. And, then and you I'm really not going to say
0: it. all of season seven makes sense, because it's where they really started to base their own shit not off the books. Yeah. And it really starts to amp up the speed, and I would blame most of the process on them not giving themselves to time. Yeah. To let things breathe and, sure. and and build in in its natural growth, yeah. but they also were the ones to pull the own trigger on themselves yeah. and say that they mm-hmm. wanted to wrap it up in two seasons. They could have wrapped it up in five, and
1: HBO would have let them.
0: It it was a money making powerhouse. Sure. HBO never wanted it to end.
1: But the problem was they saw what made them the most the hard won battle. They they saw this. These were our money makers. Shock and awe. Shock sure. And awe. Shock and all is the money maker, right? That's, sure, but that's for every sort of saying, but for
0: every red wedding, you still need a season of just people talking. You do. I do,
1: and you didn't get that. and
0: they got rid of the just people talking yeah. part. Just made it, straight. and that and that is not yeah. HBO's fault.
1: Yeah, it's not. You that is, it, you that really is the writer's, writers' fault. Season eight is nothing but that is the red writers' wedding. fault. It's, HBO's yeah. just the
0: backer. Sure. HBO's just the money. Yeah. HBO really was just the money. Yeah. The showrunners were hand in hand in bed with the writers. And they had thought that because these were the people they were making the projects with for the yeah. last eight years, that it would be approached with, I don't know, like a good heart, a good eye, a good yeah. critical response. And like whole actors, Yeah. like um, Ferris was pissed sure. when he read season eight script. Yeah. He physically like... They show the live reading of yeah. his episode and he like tosses the script. When, yeah, he's mad when, when his character died, he literally tossed Daenerys the script. Daenerys is the
1: same way. She, uh, she, her she hates her. She,
0: she finished it yeah. and then said that she walked through a park and tried to imagine her just burning the park down. Yeah. And she said, I can't. My, I can th- me as me and me as Danny looked at this park and saw all the wonder and love in this park and what yeah. people had come to build yeah. this park and she's walking around London yeah. thinking of the park the as, King's, the as park. King's Landing yeah. and she's imagining it like all on fire and she's telling herself like
1: yeah.
0: where and when would my would, would in, in my heart would I ever want to see this entire place on fire? Yeah. And that's when she said, like, this is not... It's not. It
1: just was good. not good. This is not good. It's not good. Kit
0: Harington yeah. finished it and was just like, what?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, apparently, um, apparently, like, the actress who played Cersei, Lena Hitty and Nick uh, Costow... Um, Wal- Waldo Costa yeah. Uh, yeah. I, his last name it's is wild me. yeah it's wild and um like Jamie and Cersei they both were just like so just like uh yeah with it's how blah. with how they ended blah they were just like uh,
1: yeah it's like what I'm really kind of talking about like, like Cersei's a great example oh Tyrion
0: was pissed too yeah. the guy Peter Dinklage yeah he was pissed
1: Cersei pissed. Cersei, Cersei might be from a television standpoint she might be one of the most powerful women that's ever been written into a TV absolutely show. even from the point that she's a villain but she's still written as just basically like the badass you know I don't put up with anybody's shit man woman right. children nothing it's right. me I'm doing my thing and it's really one of like the first times that you see a woman put into a character arc like that where she is literally in charge for The majority of the show. even with her kids, right? She knows how fucked up Joffrey is, like, she knows how she fucked loses up all her everything is.
0: she loves, exactly. and it still keeps her the same cold bitch that she's ever
1: exactly. Ever been. And she still stays in charge through the entire seven seasons. Just this mean bitch, I'm not going to, I killed my own family because I didn't And how does her story family. end, Sketch? It literally ends with her crying like a little bitch at one point. where she just, watches her city yeah, get
0: lit on fire yeah. without saying a single word yeah.
1: to defend it. Lily just starts running away and wants to hide from everything. And her entire arc was her not being scared of anything. Like, I will take whatever comes. I'm going to destroy it. And literally turned to her just being like, I don't want any of this anymore. I'm gonna cry and go hide somewhere. I'm in gonna go big cry castle,
0: and I'm gonna die. Yeah, and then you know, let let's hop on Jamie real quick. Um, Jamie, her brother, who would do anything for her, who killed for her. Um, you know, his mid season, his his mid show arc is learning that like his family is bullshit. It's only ever caused him problems. Like there are things in life that he has done. That have changed his life for the worst, and and people don't understand him, and the things he's done uh, to protect the people of the
1: world. So his hand gets cut off. So his hand gets cut he, off. That's when it starts.
0: He realizes yeah. that his entire life has been completely misdirected, like yeah. misaimed. Yeah. He um, he's known as something unbelievable, despite doing it to save the world. Like he he is regarded as garbage for having been the hero of a situation. And like he learns by meeting people, like, like you said, like the show about the interaction and dialect of um, the dialectic experience, the dialogue of two people meeting and sharing a connection. And like he learns that the world is a much bigger place that needs better protecting and literally leaves his family leaves his the the loyalty and the home of his people to go and try and save the world and his arc is about him distancing himself from the pride True. of his family yeah. and doing some doing what he's always done which is protecting the people yeah his arc ends with him turning to all the people that he's learned and loved and grown to be around in his adventures of coming into a a better person and saying fuck you and then he leaves and goes to try and save his sister in the most ass backwards way possible yep. that gets both of them killed. Yes. And he dies in his sister's arms who has used him and abused him the entire 10 year of the show. Yes manipulated him at every step of the way and um, they have such a bad relationship with each other and it is such an ass backwards move and he even says this line where he's like I don't care about the people never really cared about them much anyway Yeah. and like his entire character has been about caring for the people literally, literally an episode ago yeah. he fought a doomsday army of zombies yeah. to protect the people he, his region His the people he cares
1: about like what? Netting Brianne. Like everything is about everything they Everything is kid. about
0: him caring for people. people. And then he goes and dies yeah. a selfish death with his with his yeah. sister. And doesn't even complete the prophecy. He doesn't even yeah. like she doesn't even die from her younger brother. Yeah. Which everyone thought would be Tyrion stabbing her sure. or, or Jamie stabbing her. Like No, she doesn't die because of Tyrion. She dies very much because of a large dragon burning her fucking tower down is it arguable that the towers only the dragons only there to burn the tower because of her brother conjecture doesn't matter because the literal thing killing cersei is a
1: rock besides john besides john joining back into the night watch which was had like a poetic feel to it him walking back in there kind of yeah besides that like there's a scene where how the show ends where they're sitting around the table again where the council's sitting around the table and it almost has this like, here we go again feel to it. You know what I mean? It's like it's so it, it is, is so bullshit. cheesy and over the top and it's it like, oh, such, very,
0: like, in what world is yeah. brand your best yeah. option as, as king?
1: Yeah. In what fucking world? It's just some stupid like bittering between and then brand's like, Oh, I'm gonna leave you guys to it. You guys do your thing. And it's like oh, What shit. Yeah, and it's what just like, shit? what the fuck? That's the how you're going to end Bran's arc
0: was always so supposed to be supernatural. Yeah. Bran's arc was supposed to be about yeah. taking over the role of the three-eyed raven and being a protector of the world from an outside source. Yeah. He was meant to be this grand sorcerer yeah. who runs away from all humanity, literally gets away from all the people on the planet, in order to protect the planet and be this lone beacon in the North that just, like, tries to save everyone. And, like, the ideas people were coming up with, which was like, ah, Bran goes back in time, builds the wall to protect the North. Bran goes back in time to become the Night King, to kill the Night King, to have this plan about being the Night King and, and, like, having the story end with Bran being the savior and dying to save the entire world. And, like, Bran ends up in a fucking wheelchair uh, on the throne.
1: Yeah. It's awful.
0: Nowhere in his arc yeah. of being pushed out a window and becoming the Three-Eyed Raven did it ever point towards never hints to King's Landing. He never, He's never even
1: been he there. He knows the future was to come, and he never at one point points to that. Like, it never says, like, there's nothing, there's nothing that leads to that. He can't interact with yeah. people. Yes. There's nothing at one point... His that powers says, are uh, metaphorical. It's, it's nuts. There's nothing at one point that says that, that he knows that he's going to end up there. There's no hint to that. Any other show, any other show that has ever been made, if they were going to make that, that was done with a purpose. Any other show that was written with a purpose that was actually headed in one direction, it right. wasn't just like, hey, let's just wing this fucking thing. <laughs> like, like, so if anything other show was written like that, at some point you would have started dropping subtle hints that said like this is how this is gonna happen. Things that he would have said. Things right. that would have happened in the background. Anything like that. And it didn't happen. It was literally like it was literally like they picked up a pair of fucking dice and gave everybody a number and said, you know what? Let's flip this fucking thing and whoever <laughs> it lands on, that's <laughs> what's, is gonna what's gonna be, happen that's to what's gonna fucking thing. happen. And let's write that up, right? So yeah. it's literally like, oh shit we got brand. We didn't really want him. Let's flip it again. Shit we got brand again. All right, let's I guess it. he's let's, king. Yeah, I guess he's king now, right? <laughs> so how do we do it? How are we going to make Bran king? Well, we don't we haven't done anything that says that we're going to make Bran king. Well, let's have Peter Dick just like, say, like, hey, Bran, you want to be king? And yeah. Bran's like, and then yeah, I'll, why the fuck not? And then it'll, have, <laughs> and then it'll just <laughs> and that, happen. And that's how it happens. And so, that's literally um, how that story fucking ends.
0: So Tyrion's,
1: Tyrion's
0: arc is much like Jamie's but yeah. for the opposite. He learns that his family is garbage. His lineage is garbage. His whole life has, in fact, been yeah. a joke. And his arc is that he leaves and starts playing for the other team. Wow. And he is wild. He is creative. He is the smartest character in the fucking show. He's playing the game.
1: Yeah.
0: He's saying, oh, if I can't win from the inside, then I'll win from the outside. Yeah. I'll see you guys in 13 years when I am back in, in this room.
1: Yeah.
0: With my gun to your head. Yeah. And, um, and it ends with him groveling, telling a group of people that don't care about him. Yeah. That a paraplegic should be the king of yeah. of all the regions. It doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. Not when he has knowledge that the rightful heir is supposed to be John, yeah. which he doesn't share with anyone. No, nope. he gets Varys killed
1: yeah.
0: for that knowledge.
1: Yeah,
0: and then, you know Varys just dies, yeah. and then Tyrion doesn't mention.
1: Well, the Sansa and Arya are also the, the biggest mean, crust, and they know who
0: and they don't get fucked. And they don't say it either. Yeah, they
1: don't say it either. They don't say it either. Arya's like, no, I I'm her a monster, and I'm just have her own two siblings who
0: fight. know that he's going to yeah. be put to death for killing yeah. the last queen. Yeah. They know he's going to be put to death yeah. for killing the last queen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, He's going to go down in history as the Queen Slayer, much yeah. like Jamie went down as the King Slayer. Yeah. Um, they know that he doesn't have the family protection of Jamie. Jamie had the Lannisters protecting him and getting sure. him not killed in the Kingslayer situation. The Starks don't have that. They had none of that. They had none of that. They just yeah. say their, their army just got wiped out by the yeah. fucking apocalypse. They barely have a kingdom.
1: Yeah.
0: They show up to this meeting with their pockets empty. They know their brother's going to get killed. Yeah. Don't you think, like, mentioning that he's, like, the cousin Targaryen descendant to the throne would be, like, something you mentioned to, like, save him uh, from being right? Because Riders decided
1: that Arya's best thing would be, like, I'm out of here. Peace. I'm gonna hop on this boat and get the fuck out of here. Right. So her whole entire thing, I don't care about any of this shit. I want to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And that was her whole thing. So they show her, she's just riding on the fucking boat up in the water. Yeah, she's done. And she's out. She was like, "Ah, I've had enough of this shit. I'm out of here. She she
0: looked at the revenge game and said, Not today, even though her entire arc has been about the revenge game. Yeah,
1: she was like, No. The game. I'm just gonna piece the fuck out. So she piece the fuck out. Arya.
0: Your arc is like Batman. You watch your family die and you learn all the skills in order to enact revenge on the people who killed your family. Let's have you leave, become a master of those skills, come back and use some of them, and then kill someone who has nothing to do with you. That changes the entire story. And then not kill the person you've been talking about for
1: eight seasons. Sure. She had nothing to do with the Night she King.
0: She had nothing to fucking do with the Night King. I yes. will lay that down first. Yeah, It's like Princess Leia walking into the throne room and killing, in, and Dark killing the Emperor yep. Darth Vader. Like yeah.
1: Anything like that. Like She had nothing in, to do with in that. In
0: Return of the Jedi.
1: They yeah. say Luke's fighting Could you Dark handle Vader. that?
0: Could the people handle that? Yeah. Could Could Hermione just walk in out of nowhere and kill, kill Voldemort? Voldemort?
1: Yeah. That's Are people
0: okay be. with that?
1: That's what actually happened.
0: Because Harry Potter's sitting over here as a Horcrux, saying, yeah. "My life has built for this moment. I need to kill yeah. Voldemort." And then Hermione comes up and says, "No, nah, I got this," and yeah. kills him.
1: That's, it. That's, it. That's fine. Doesn't even use done... the
0: face thing, you know. Her. But skills. then after she
1: kills Voldemort, she's like, "Not nah, now."
0: <laughs> after she kills, after she kills Voldemort, yeah. she says, "Oh, the woman, the woman who was responsible for my father's death." Yeah. Who I have been waiting to kill this entire yeah. show? Nah. nah.
1: I'm going to go write this book.
0: Sounds like a good character
1: yeah. arc. Sounds like, a, I'm going to go ride this yeah, book. Yeah, I'm going to go write this book. I'm going to go on vacation.
0: Le- I'm going to be honest. I'm yeah. going to level with you. I don't give a fuck about Sansa's arc. Yeah. In, in my opinion, her arc is pretty much the only one in the show that actually survived.
1: It actually goes she the goes goes and from, all the way she
0: goes from being a weak character to a strong character. Yeah. And then she has um, like a governmental position as like queen of the north, sure. essentially. Yeah. Um, good for you. Yeah, You're the only one to come out it's of this plot out, unscathed. Yeah. But uh, having said that, you're boring and no yeah. one likes it, you. It
1: literally, your story is the only one that falls in a non-trash format. It goes from a linear path all the way through. Makes I, sense. She
0: rides average. Yeah, she rides right in the middle. The entire
1: She's dead in the middle. Congratulations. Right yeah. And you made it all the way through. You followed your Congrats. path. Uh,
0: Congrats. Jon Snow is the unsung hero. He proves time and time again that he is the right person to protect people. He doesn't want it. He never wants it. But whenever he's put in a position of power, he flaunts it. He always makes the right decision to save people at the sacrifice of himself. He will gladly take a sword to protect a random person because it is what is right. And then he watches his girlfriend, who he will not have sex with, who gets very grumpy about <laughs> it, burn yeah. the entire city yeah. down.
1: Yeah.
0: And when she mentions it yeah. to him, she says, I'm going to burn this whole city down. He goes, that's fine. Yeah. You're my queen. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. He has been fighting for his life
1: yeah.
0: tooth over nail <coughs> for eight fucking seasons to yeah. get here. And his crazy girlfriend, yeah. who doesn't deserve to be crazy, we're we're not at Danny yet. Yeah. Decides to be crazy. Says I'm going to do some crazy shit tomorrow, <laughs> and he literally just says you do you, yeah. and yeah. then watches her do it, and then suddenly he's upset about he's it. Like, oh <laughs>
1: shit! <I'll laughs> she did exactly that. what <laughs> she said
0: she was going to do. It's well like, darn and, like
1: des- and then he just
0: and then he decides to kill her, yeah. and then um, you know it's only their disconnect only comes from the revelation that he's the most meaningful character in this show and then with that revelation he uh, his revelation is he's Luke Skywalker and he's supposed to protect the galaxy using the force and then he doesn't get to kill Darth Vader and then he gets put back in jail (laughs) and then Leia and then Leia doesn't even show up to his court date (laughs) (laughs) Leo doesn't even defend him. (laughs) They dropped the fucking Mm. ball on Jon Snow, man.
1: It's it's so and
0: he and it's poetic that he gets to go back to the north because there's no real boundary there anymore. It's almost like they say, go live a normal life.
1: Yeah, just go and be nothing.
0: Have that life outside of combat and conflict.
1: They basically just told him to go be nothing, and his character arc is just go be nothing. Go be nothing. Go be nothing. No power. You so weren't be. important. Yeah. So.
0: Go be unimportant. Yeah.
1: Go be unimportant. Even though he is the
0: commander. You the prevented the apocalypse. Yeah. You, um, well, not directly, yeah. but indirectly yeah. prevented the apocalypse and you're the rightful heir to the throne yeah. that people think they care about. Yeah. So you mean nothing. Yeah.
1: Go, go. <laughs> go go be, be nothing. Go be the leader of the people who can't see the nation. That's what you Go, that's be, nothing. go, on, go be nothing. Go on. Go be nothing. Go on, yeah. kid. Go yeah. be nothing. That's really what it was. It was just like, alright. Like, he is the leader of the Night's Watch, but honestly, like, the Night's Watch <coughs> at that point, wasn't, the and there was like 15 people in it. They were like, is oh, there, John. Is
0: there bad. any other character you want to talk about before Danny? Because I think it's the last one we need to talk about.
1: No. I mean, really, by that point, like, no. We, we talked about Tyrion, we talked about Jamie, Cersei, some of the other characters, like, the build-up of, like, Glegane, uh, his role of coming up, like, and just him being like, ah, oh, like you know, like
0: Clagain Bull. Bull Everyone, you know, it, it was their one. It was the one thing that the writers didn't have planned that made sense that they kind of wrote into the yeah. final episode to say to give fan service. Sure, fan service yeah, is saying. is Clegane's exactly. character. Yeah. Clagain's character has always kind of been fan service, yeah. though. Um, he, his lines are written the best. Yeah. You know, his character has a really stereotypical redemption arc. Sure. Um, you know, he dies He dies the way he was introduced, which was disagreeing with his brother, um, who's just a giant asshole, like, mm-hmm. literally. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, we could talk about other people because there are There's other the, arcs that don't is, make sense. Yeah. Like, Varys' arc various, didn't yeah. make sense. Both
1: those characters, like... Both um, those characters. If you read the books, there's there's some of me read the books where you feel like those two are the ones that are actually orchestrating everything. Everything. They're, they're running the entire and world. And, and the real yeah. the real stopgap
0: for their orchestration was supposed to be the apocalypse. Yeah. Littlefinger doesn't live to see it. Yeah. And Varys kind of sidesteps it. Sure. Without talking about it, yeah. like he gets informed on it and then says oh well that's what we have dragons for yeah. I brought the dragon queen here yeah. to deal with this apocalypse yeah. that I knew about obviously yeah. and then he dies yeah. for bringing the dragon queen over yeah. you know it's not good it's not it's not good I mean Littlefinger you could say is uh, an expected casualty sure
1: some but, point that. but the
0: game player never gets stumped you know the game master never gets stumped by the game player yeah the, the fact that he died from a miscommunication sure. is kind of stupid. Yeah. But the way he died is justified. Like sure. Arya slitting his throat yeah. in front of all the North is a pretty good way for Littlefinger yeah. to die. I feel
1: like he's his character started off, especially as how he was kind of orchestrating things, especially with Ned in the beginning, that you kind of see his actual power behind the scenes. Right. And then to the point where he ends <laughs> up... At the end, which is just is just kind of like groveling, trying to be somebody, somebody, all right, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I right. felt like it, it kind of reduced his character to the point where you could kind of see how powerful he was in the very beginning. And then him and Varys, you know, that they they're, have their hands and everything. And yeah. the ones that are that I think, you should become the hand the king, should be this, this. And uh, by the end, it's just literally just them being like, just background characters like not even in the background literally just whispering they go
0: from making very smart decisions to making very poor decisions and the only differentiating factor is the fact that they haven't been given attention by the writers to the same level as they did at the beginning of the show exactly at the beginning of the show, they were considered major players, yeah. and that's why their dialogue is so smart. Yeah. Their tactical senses are so smart. Yeah. They're very keen and aware of their contexts. They they orchestrate. They are master orchestra operators. They they wave their wands, and entire people listen to what they have to say. Varys dies, writing a note. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Varys dies writing a note yeah. that, that someone told him not to write. Yeah. In what world does the Master of Secrets ever write down a secret? Yeah. When has he ever been that stupid yeah. in the tenure of his show? You know, there, it's, it doesn't make sense. None of the end of the show makes sense. And that's why I'm upset. I already said I'm thematically upset yeah. that the entire audience thinks that this show was about... Um. Argue people arguing to sit on a seat yeah. when it's about literal a Lord of Death coming down from the north, bringing yeah. with him winter that is supposed to last a hundred years, um, and it lasts two days. Yeah. And then you but get one day, several
1: yeah. hours, if that. Several hours. They say it becomes a um, one. And none of that. I mean, we could Shindig.
0: we could shit on that episode as much as we want because nothing tactically made sense. They and, had and they had the ballistas in outside the gate. Yeah, they didn't know how to flank the army. The dragons were useless. Not to of, mention, John didn't yeah. even get to fight the Night
1: King. Visually, 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 it's a stunning episode. Which I know, is you and I describe. will
0: never say that the show is yeah. not stunning. Yeah.
1: So visually, it's a stunning episode and then honestly it's one of the worst written shows of all time like there's just from a plot standpoint that episode didn't make sense from an absolute plot standpoint there is probably never been a more would be considered a more important show for the actual arc of a series than that because that whole series was built around the Night King coming the whole idea of the North you know Winter is Coming is built around that we are set up
0: for two episodes yeah Saying that this is going to be a big deal. Yeah. You almost expect... The yeah. next five episodes... Yeah. To be your characters dealing with the fallout of their own actions. The apocalypse yeah. that, that, that no one has been paying attention to. Yeah. Let me pitch it to you this way. Yeah. This is what should have happened. And I'm, I'll keep it simple and short. The Night King comes down from the north. The people who decide to fight for humanity... Go to Winterfell. Whatever character it is, whether it's the Hound, Jaime, whoever. I know Cersei is going to stay at King's Landing. Yeah. She never intended to fight for humanity. That was never in her character arc. Anyone else who people think is justified in being there, they are there. They are able to hold their own using the walls. Yeah. Because guess what? The Dragon... The Night King never shows up.
1: Yeah.
0: His army goes to Winterfell... He goes to King's Landing. He burns King's Landing. All of King's Landing still gets burned, but by blue fire, yeah. he kills Cersei, makes her the knight queen, and the two of them sit on top of the throne uh, side by side as the two worst characters in this show, being evil, which is what they do best. And this is, that's the twist. Yeah. The twist is our heroes don't sure. know this is fucking happening. Sure. We don't even see it. When it's when it's to the audience, we see our heroes questioning where the Night King is, knowing that he's the trigger on killing all of these zombies. And then, you know, you have your suicide squad looking for him, Mm -hmm. trying to say, Everyone keep out, keep an eye out for the Night King. He's the stop, you know, he's the, the switch that is gonna turn this entire situation around. All that we need to do is kill him, like Hardhome. We learned that we just need to kill this guy. Yeah. So John is like. Killing people, killing people, using the dragon, killing people. Danny is there killing people. They're all blowing up army after army of undead defending this castle. Yeah. Literally, you could have had the two dragons sitting on the walls of the castle, yeah. just blowing fire through wave and wave of, of yeah. zombies while people, you have people, ballistas, taking down the army from the outside. Um, even having people flank, like the Dothraki, flank from another direction to just try and kill as much of the army as they can. They last, like, two episodes of just trying to survive, not even knowing what's happening down south.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, when they finally, like, maybe they even get pushed back to the Vale. Maybe they decide that they need to run, and Winterfell falls. And then they go to the Vale, and that's when they learn that King's Landing fell. And then the people who lived there decide to go back to King's Landing yeah. to try and help, while the North kind of stubbornly says, "Well, we tried averting this. This isn't our problem anymore." And they sit in the Vale, and you know, John and Danny, of course, don't feel right doing that. They go to f- confront King's Landing. The last two episodes are about the taking down of the Night King and mm-hmm. Night Queen. You got your Suicide Squad of. Hound, Braun, Jamie, um uh Danny flying around dragon fighting live dragons versus dead dragon. Great the king isn't even on it. Yeah. He could be if yeah. you want. I'm okay with Danny killing yeah. the Night King, if John sure. is somewhere else. Sure. But you know, even if it's John and Danny on the dragons fighting the Night King and then they knock maybe it's Danny knocks him off, the dragon kills the mm-hmm. dragon, and then John kills the Night King with his sword. Yeah. You know, let Arya
1: maybe, kill Cersei,
0: and then Ar- Arya yeah. and Jamie, Arya yeah. and Jamie, you got to fulfill the prophecy, yeah. and you got to give the final stab yeah. to to Arya. Yeah. So let's say Jamie disarms her, betrays yep. her, gets killed by Arya. Got maybe it. even Arya wearing Jamie's face. Got How it. fucking cool would that yeah, have been? So you know, the Valonqar prophecy is fulfilled. The little brother is the reason you die. Yeah. But maybe it's Jamie who brings her, you know, maybe it's Jamie who dies trying to turn her back into the person he thinks she is, you know. But that's how the show should have ended, you know. The show should have ended with the war. The show should have been about how our expectations have upset us and now we are going to be a fool in a situation that we should have been prepared for. That's the subversion we needed. The subversion we didn't need was none of our characters getting the arcs that we were sure. thinking they were headed to. Yep. The the main bad guy being killed by a little girl with an army full of people. into nothing.
1: Yeah, you made him into nothing. And then you exploded his entire army. of. It's basically is made up of, like, the way they try to explain the Night King's army is that it is so big... It, it is, is endless. endless. Yeah, it's just... It's endless. It's, it's basically endless every world. single dead body as it and the The
0: idea of that endless dread was always like imagine winterfell just surrounded by an army of the dead but the dead can't get into the wall um and it takes the night king being there to raise the dead from the crypt so like when the dead never rise from the crypt or let's just say that the characters are smart enough to not be in the crypt this time around then they start to question where the Night King is this yeah. entire time. Yeah. And that's why it's important the Night King is never even in Winterfell. He no. just ignores it. He has a dragon.
1: Yeah.
0: If the dragon showed up at Winterfell, yeah. it would blast through the walls and there wouldn't be a war. Exactly. In what world would the Night King get off of his dragon?
1: And walk around. Yeah. And
0: walk around and make himself vulnerable. Yeah. That's, that's an error of pride. That is a sin of pride. Yeah. He's not, inhuman. Yeah. He's not supposed to have feelings or emotions. He's supposed to be a, a force of nature.
1: We, we've watched him be created. I mean, we watched Night King get created. He gets created by... Uh, Children of the Forest. Yeah, the Children of the Forest.
0: Dragonglass to the heart. So we
1: originally watched him Originally, be created... As and a she weapon. Talks about, yeah, and she talks about how man was evil and to... They were killing man. the forest. Yeah. They,
0: the humans were murdering the forest yeah. and murdering the children of the forest. So they created this unstoppable force to protect them from the from man of the forest. They
1: usually use, actually use man to destroy man.
0: Right. And, uh, but they're mindless. Yeah, They don't have feelings. They don't have sins. They don't yeah. have thoughts.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the, the guy would have known that his best chances would be with the dragon that he literally just raised from the dead. Yep. And he would have said, I am unstoppable. And if, okay. if the world is if this throne is what the world cares about, then the throne is what I shall take. And that will make me the ruler of this world. That he, is his that he is knows his
1: the importance of the dragons. Because he kills everything. One to begin with. No, he kills the dragon to begin with. So well, he, he, he really knows goes.
0: he knows that yeah. the dragons are his only threat. Yeah. And the first thing he does is he's fucking one. murder one. So
1: why would he... He kills one, raises it back, because he understands how powerful they are. Right. Raises it back from the dead. Takes control of it. And then literally at some point just decides, like, nah, bitch. I he, fall- I
0: he gets knocked yeah. off of it. Yeah. But it's very possible... F- he's, like, linked to it. He's yeah. linked to the army sure. of the dead. Yeah. He can just say, hey, dragon, I'm right here. And it comes yeah. back down and picks him up. Yeah. They use the him getting knocked off of it as this big, like, now he's on the ground. Well, no. The dragon's just over there. It yeah. could very much just come back and get him. Yeah. My argument is he never should have been in Winterfell to begin with. Yeah. He knows the heroes are there. Yeah.
1: There's no point for him to be there.
0: Jokes on you, heroes. Yeah. My army's enough to stop you. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna go where I need to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know about this for
0: we we've already talked about it for an hour. And, and it's it's just
1: disappointing. it, it really is and it's that's
0: just... and that's why when my annoying ass coworker argues with me that she liked the ending and that I'm looking too much into it, where I'm just like, you weren't. Mm. you know, like you weren't watching the same show as me. You weren't watching what I was watching. you're not I'm not even insulting her intelligence. Yeah. I mean, I am because fuck you. yeah but like at the same time. I'm saying that you just didn't thematically understand what the show was about, or yeah. even politically aware of what the show was about.
1: Um, really, it's, it's like watching like, and then kind of like it's watching a two-hour movie, and it's like an hour and fifty-five minutes of like some of the best character dialogue and
0: the best character progression that you've ever you'll seen, ever
1: and have. then the last five minutes is literally like Alien versus Predator, and it's like just like over the top. It's just so over the top, different than everything else that is. That has ever, ever come before it. from before And that's what's killer about it. It's just that it was so well done up to a certain point and literally it hits a certain point and it just stops. And it's what's killer about it. It just, it stops taking itself seriously and tries to be something that's not. It changes itself from being, you know, the focus on being the characters and how we feel about these characters and being emotionally tied. We're emotionally tied the reason why the Red Wedding is such a considered such a landmark episode is because we're so emotionally it's a game tied changing fucking to episode. these characters. We've, we're, we're emotionally tied to Rob's baby.
0: His yeah. dad just got yeah. killed. He is yeah. the King of the North. Yeah. It is his time to step up. He, yes, he has a marriage in secret yeah. out of wedlock, some Shakespearean
1: shit, Um we feel connected to all this because we're Katyn's we're shown
0: there. yeah very proud of her we're son,
1: shown the man he's become we're shown their entire relationship from the beginning right it's not a kind of series where like oh well he's married now son oh he's like oh I like right. you we're getting married we're shown his his growth great, yeah the growth of his character his love for her. and then we just watch it get destroyed and that's they, what they that's they all what made the show so Good at what it did is because it just showed the show. I know it was uh, kind of like shocking all, but at the end of it, it literally just became how much shit can we blow up, how much fire can we have, how much death can we show, how many skeletons can, how many people can we show on fire? Like it just became a spectacle, a spectacle, and that's what killed it. That's what ended up killing the show at the end, for me anyway.
0: I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree I, I mean it lost it lost control and and I don't I don't think we're talking about Danny because I think it's it's you know suffice it to say that her character has always been about setting people free and protecting the sure. low and the weak um, no matter how upset she is from not getting laid or her friend getting killed. There's no woman who suddenly wakes up the next day and just murders millions of people, women and children, yeah. in their homes, in, their, in the streets, in, screaming over... Uh, defenseless, yeah. defenseless people. Yeah. Innocent people. Just to kind of allude to something that might possibly would have happened in her future, but not then. Not so,
1: there. Her character built up from outside of her, from people outside looking in is almost in this, like, Christ-like fashion of her coming into these areas, making miracles happen, you know, freeing people that have been slaves their entire life. Right. Stories begin. Liberating entire cities. Legends begin to be told about her, and then literally...
0: She has a 13-sentence title. The Breaker of Chains, The Freer of People, The Queen of blank the mother of dragons like yeah. she has like a 13 sentence it is, intro it's, it's because legit, it's like it is the tell of how yeah. her character was built
1: yeah. it's it's legit a story of it's almost christ-like her it, character is gnarly.
0: absolutely it's she is gnarly. very much a messiah of the desert
1: yeah. that comes out and liberates yeah. people and then literally at one point she just decides like fuck it you
0: know I'm how I'm jesus here. died protecting everyone and yeah. Imagine if Jesus like conjured up a magical <laughs> beast to instead kill everyone. It's that not, is the it, end of. That that's is the end. Jesus got conjured up some mini guns <laughs> and just walked down the street murdering everyone.
1: And that's literally how their
0: story arc. And ends. that's how his story arc ended. That's Jesus's story arc. That's it. It's like nah That is hilarious. It's
1: gnarly. I haven't thought of that. It's gnarly. It's legit what she is.
0: Jesus decides to open a door to a dimension of negative energy and hires forth a, uh, what's a, a manticore, which is like a lion-headed, dragon-bodied monster, and he decides that it's gonna be his best friend. He gets on the back of it. He calls himself, uh the daddy of manticores and then he blows up Jerusalem where his parents were yeah, raised he's just
1: like, yeah, fuck
0: it. where his where his mother was born yeah. and he decides to blow up the entire city using just the manticore's yeah. laser vision that is the metaphor for daddy.
1: Because somebody killed his buddy so yeah. now he's not
0: man. Oh no uh, Jesus had like yeah. a bunch of his yeah. buddies killed. Yeah. No the but metaphor is, was, is solid. Just, yeah
1: but it's just his favorite one so <laughs> even, no, no,
0: even he was killed. Yeah
1: which yeah, is a no. little John Snowish.
0: Yeah. Oh, Even yes. he was yes. killed yes. and yeah. came back and said, "We're good."
1: Yeah, but no, like <laughs> it really is. It's so. It's gnarly. John
0: and John and it's Danny so are two gnarly. Jesuses that yeah. exist in George Martin yeah. stories. Um, I think that's fucking great, man.
1: <laughs> it's so gnarly. Oh my god.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. So the Jesus of John story is, you know how you died for man's sin? You know how yeah. you died to protecting man? Like, we literally killed you, and you came, <laughs> came back, back and still had to yeah, protect you're, us? You're hanging out. Fuck up. off.
1: Fuck yeah. <laughs> off. Yeah, you're hanging, fuck off, yeah. A fuck off. yeah.
0: <laughs> you know how yeah. you're here yeah. to be our messiah? Yeah. Get fucked. I
1: brought you back for a reason, and it's to fuck off. It's to fuck off to the north yeah. and die as a nobody. Yeah. So that's The whole thing it was like, we brought you back, you were brought back for a reason. The little like, brought you back for a reason. It's the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so you would make you would
0: make a really good uh oh, It's so, so gnarly. I want to put an eye patch on you and just tell you <laughs> so to be. You're the Barrington Darian <laughs> a- of my life. Uh, I think, and then and then Danny as the like uh, Ms. Messiah raised from the
1: <clears throat> the
0: sands, you
1: know, yeah. brought into the city. He's a nobody. Free from nothing, no, you know, I'm just nothing. start
0: from the bottom. Yeah. Now we hear, yeah.
1: we build her up, and then she's always like, "Nah, I'm tired of this shit." I'm fuck <laughs> he kills everybody. everyone. I'm <laughs> kill everybody. <laughs> she's like, ah, fuck it. I'll oh my shit! Fucking.
0: <coughs> so we talked about Game of Thrones for an hour now. <laughs> I said twenty minutes, and now it turned into oh, an hour. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, I think we should read a couple stories. Yeah. Um, I think the first one's funny. Because um it's kinda how I feel about Game of Thrones. Um the first story's title is a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> the first story's title is a yeah. car accident, and I'm gonna go ahead and let Scutch read this one.
1: Okay. A car accident. When I was ten years old, my stepdad and I were out visiting his cousin, who lived in a rural area in southern Oregon. We stayed out late, and the sun had gone down about two hours before he called it a night and started to head home, about 40 minutes away. We were driving through a lightly wooded area, with several ranches spread along the route. For the most part, the road was empty and pitch black outside of our headlights. As we cruised along the winding back road, a car suddenly came up behind us at excessive speed. Without missing a beat, the guy swerved around us and flew down the road, soon out of sight and round the next turn in the road. Jerk, my dad mother. <laughs> I had been half asleep, but I agreed with my dad and leaned my head back against Son the window.
0: fucking bitch, piece pretty of much. shit, I'm going to fucking kill him. That's yeah. pretty close for what yeah, I'm
1: saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dad. We drove on for about another half mile and we saw the guy again. My dad pulled to a stop as we came onto the scene. The man had taken a turn too sharply and run through a mailbox, through a fence, and into a tree. The car was smashed and the front end crushed in from the impact. Glass everywhere and steam from the radiator poured into the cold night air. The guy stood next to his car, staring at it, and my dad told me to stay there and not get out. I could see him walk over to the guy and say something. The guy pointed at his car and spoke to my dad, and after a minute, they walked back to our car and my dad got into the driver's seat, the guy got into the back as I was in the front seat. I glanced back at the man's car and all the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. I sat stiffly in my seat as my dad started our car and began driving. We're going to get this guy to ride home, my dad explained. Okay, I replied. The guy spoke. Hey, I really appreciate this. I guess I judged that turn wrong. My wife is gonna be pissed. I'm just glad he made it out okay. Yeah, my dad replied. The man made small talk with my dad and I tried to talk to me a couple times, asking where we lived, where I went to school, if I liked my teacher, that kind of thing. I only answered him with one-word answers, refusing to look over my shoulder in the rearview mirror at him. After a few miles, he said, "This is it." and we pulled over, he got out and walked around to my dad's side of the car. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate this. He held out his hand and my dad shook it, and then we started back home. After about 10 minutes, I turned to my dad. Dad, that guy. I know, he said. But, Dad, I saw him to his car. He was still in there. He looked at me with a very serious look that I'd never seen before or since. I know. And we've never spoken about it since. <laughs> and I've never told anyone else.
0: But I'm going to tell the internet yeah. right now. Tell the internet. Hey Dad, remember that one time? Well, maybe there were two people in the car, dumbass. <laughs> like, like, come on. Could have
1: been.
0: He's like, I know. <laughs> like, I know. I don't know. I still think Game of Thrones is the biggest car accident I've ever <laughs> I've ever heard of. Um That that wasn't bad. I, I mean, like it's a story. nice it's a nice little teaser. I mean, we all have those moments where we're driving around at night and literally the darkness is like your biggest fucking enemy. Sure. It's like, um, Fuck! Like two, two or three kids died when I was in high school from car accidents. My close personal friends died from
1: car accidents.
0: This it's fucking nuts. It's gnarly. It's, it's not only that,
1: uh... Car accidents are just weirdest. So I've always I've had I uh, was the kind of like the car accident of this. something that happens more often to people when they're young. So when it happens to people as they get older, it actually becomes a more traumatic experience as people get older. Because as people get older you almost start to feel this kind of weird uh, invulnerability to everything that... Oh, as a as a young person? No, as an adult. I actually think it happens as an adult. I would say
0: you... as a child, people think they're untouchable. People I actually think... People don't assume bad things are going to happen
1: to them. I think from a weird point, like... Because we've seen so many people die as we get older, as we've seen the... So you think the... That... Mortality of actually people. I think people begin to feel more... Invulnerable, Especially okay. when it comes to outside. I would say
0: from watching people, I felt more vulnerable. For
1: outside, por- like for me, for, like, for sure. outside things, besides health, I'm talking about like, uh, of course, like as you get older, you're going to feel like, well, man, I could have like a heart attack and I got to take care of myself now. But I feel like people feel like they've survived the times of their lives where they were more out of control. Sure. So they're least expecting... The worst is behind me. Yeah. So when you're 19, 20 years old, you're like, man, I could get in like, a car accident and die right now. But as you're like 40-something years old, you don't really think like, man, I could get in a car accident and die right now. You're thinking more like, man, I could take care of my health or some shit like that. Sure. You don't really think of like the outside forces of things that can potentially harm you as being my life has been opposite has really my
0: life has been off i was very sheltered i never had to worry about anything my parents were very good providers you know as a kid i was very free living slinging things off the cuff not caring what people thought about me or the things i said i was honestly a a bully to a lot of people i was a dick to a lot more i was quite an asshole yeah and then a lot of bad shit happened to me yeah And it made me realize that life is a lot more precious than I thought it was. And uh, then I started living a lot more seriously. And I've been afraid of a lot of things ever since. (laughs) So I kind of learned humility at one certain moment in my life. And then I realized how fucking fragile that is. And I've only become more anxious and kind of... And I agree with that. Focused on it. And and losing friends along the way... Kind of says like, ah, oh, fuck, we're all just flies on the wall, and, and we're dropping one by one.
1: But I think that what I mean by it is, oh, I, I get what you. mean. I think like our what well, we're actually thinking of what's going to be the, be the cause of our death. Okay. As it changes, Yeah, you know, as it changes from oh, it definitely from, shifts focus exactly. Like as is, a
0: kid, yeah. you imagine you're going to die from some guy running around with a knife, some gnarling. But as an adult, you're kind of just worried about like. I don't know, I still think about car accidents all the time. Whenever I get in my car, I'm like, no matter how good of a driver you are, there's always gonna be someone else who isn't and could hit you and there's, kill you. There's,
1: so there's um there's actually a, a French term and it's it's for what it is it's called uh the call of the void. And what the call of the void is is there's actually a it's scientific. Uh, it's it's what happens when we're driving in a car and we think like if I were to take this car and I were to just make a left we're driving on a two lane street it's a busy time we're all driving 40 miles an hour what would actually happen if I were to take this car and just make a left turn into oncoming traffic (laughs) and and it's actually a scientific term for that it's a French word and it's called the call of the void and that's what it is they say it's the call of uh, causing Pain and suffering onto others. The call of the unknown of what could possibly happen. Yeah, it's the idea of um, what if I just if you're standing on something tall, like you're walking on a bridge or you're walking on a higher area, like what if I just jumped off this right now? Absolutely. And there's it's a sense of there's there's a people and they say that there's there's people actually have a more uh, pull to this than a lot more susceptible. Yeah, Yeah, that they actually feel it and like that's what you see like. You hear about people like, well, was there any signs of him thinking about committing suicide or anything? There were any signs of, and like, sure. no, like, we haven't seen anything of it. And they said, that these people, there are people there they are just more susceptible to being called to this supernatural force of, you know, entering, you know, your death. And, like, right. you're, you know, and it's just this pull towards your, your mentality. your, your are yeah. pulled towards your end. And it's just, it's a gnarly thing. It's a gnarly I thing. Think that's fucking bad. great. That's gnarly. That's dope. Yeah.
0: I uh, I've absolutely felt that way before.
1: So there's there's a word for it in French, and I can't think of the word off the top of my head. And I should, because I'm old, and I should remember stuff. Like that, but I can't think. Of, I, maybe <laughs> you're old, so it makes sense yeah, why so, you wouldn't yeah. remember that. So, shit. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely if you ever get a chance to kind of. Look I think it, that's dope. It's uh, because um yeah.
0: you know I was literally just talking about like what we're afraid of, and we were yeah. just talking about what we're afraid of in, in life, and the things that scare us now, where we're at now in life. And I think like the call to the void is very much like something that I've witnessed. I've, I've told myself like in any other circumstance, this is going to kill me, but tonight I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway and hope it doesn't. And like, that's pretty similar. It's, it's not necessarily like there's a sexual nature to like sadomasochism, Mm. like wanting to inflict pain or inflict pain on yourself or others. Like that's a very sexual way to think of pain in your life. And then there's, like, self-destructive nature, yeah. like, people who just always seem to make the wrong decision to, to implode something in their life, yeah. um, you know. Uh, the and, then, and then does. there's, like, the suicide, yeah. you know, like, the people who actually want to die. Like, there are varying shades of people that respond to, like, death and, like, things that should kill them and the way that pain makes them feel. And I think, like, there's a very white-to-black like bar that yeah. everyone falls on
1: when it's kind of normally that is what if that was actually like and what the like the term is is what if that's actually beyond our actual control what as if, if something
0: is controlling it, like it? Like, what it? if there's
1: actually it's fucking like, that, great that people are more <coughs> inclined to it than others in the same way that people are more inclined to you know when they say like people are more inclined to talking to you know ghost and you know, being right. more experienced with the afterlife and things like right. that, what if there is actually, you know, it, it falls right into that format. Of.
0: I think that's great. And I think, um, there are a lot of like, there are a lot of things we can kind of suggest that fall into that nature. Like the movie, um, Donnie Darko. Sure. Like that's almost what we're talking about. Like the way lines of people's lives, drawing yeah. them to their, their deaths essentially. Yeah. And what happens if we
1: were perceptive of it.
0: Yeah. Um, you could talk about the discovery, the the Jason Segel movie.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you could talk about it in something if you want really to get like kind of like stupid gnarly with it. You can talk about something like Final Destination, where what if something happened in your lifetime where you I think actually that's about the anxiety. Where you actually death, actually yeah. missed your death at some point that was supposed to happen when you're younger, and now you have to spend your entire life without realizing Getting that from death. that death is actually trying to pull you in at some point. Now it's not creating those gnarly circumstances where. You know, obviously, a shower curtain's wrapping around your neck and shit like that. But like, yeah, but it's actually creating that's things the, where like that
0: is the craziest it, death in yeah. that series. I it's hate the that shower that curtain
1: scene. The, the
0: shower yeah. line, like wrapped around, around, yeah. around his neck. Ah. Yeah, around his neck. Yeah, it's not
1: really. But like, that's what I mean. Like, what if it, like it's actually like oh he was actually supposed to die back then. And you're an anomaly now, living through the world, and now you have to. Death is slowly well, putting the, you Well, the these... exactly. that's the
0: multiverse, man. That's the multiverse. Everyone, everyone in their life, the yeah. butterfly effect. Yeah. Everyone has been making decisions to lead them somewhere, and I have no doubt that yeah. we ourselves have been at a fork road where literally the other thing is death, and we're yeah. not. We we have no idea. Yeah. And you know, we choose to tie our shoe. Instead of continue walking with our shoelaces untied, you know. Yeah. And it was that simple of a thing that could yeah. have either killed us or not. And I, I love thinking about yeah, it. Like that. really that's great. It
1: really is not. That's
0: crazy. Yeah, not. Um, the, the story I'm going to read is something that someone actually uh, recommended me to read a long time ago. It's a creepypasta, an original creepypasta. It's just called Persuaded. And I think that's pretty relevant to what we're talking right now. Because it's like almost like we're arguing... What would happen if, like, death was, like, a persuading notion or, like, a supernatural force that, like, uh, persuaded us, you know, a little bit? I think that's kind of cool. I don't know if the story is even going to deal with that, but the story's called Persuaded. It's been two weeks since this whole thing started. It all started with a tanker accident. It was all over the news. Everyone thought it was just another oil spill. There were plenty of volunteers, plenty of people wanting to help the poor defenseless animals, plenty of victims. Within hours of the tanker accident, it started happening. The animals gone crazy. They were scratching and biting the cleanup volunteers. They said it was an adverse effect to whatever was in that tanker. Rescue workers were still trying to get the crew out of the ship. They could hear screaming inside, screams to open the doors. But that's when it all went to hell, as soon as they cut the door out. There were six minutes of it on broadcast before it went silent. Six minutes of screaming and agony. The ship crew attacked the rescue workers like rabid baboons, breaking bones and tearing flesh. The people on the shore weren't faring any better. Those that had been attacked by the animals were attacking everyone else. It was worse than a zone report. It was sheer brutality, and yet the broadcast still went on for six minutes. Six minutes and then blank faces. Nobody could explain what was happening. They tried to continue with regular news, the economy, the weather, a cute human interest story, but they couldn't make us unsee what we saw i tried to continue with my regular existence but every time i switched on the news or walked by a newsstand it was there the big mystery they had some explanations some kind of infection brain parasites but it didn't matter it wasn't an infection we were afraid of it was them four days after the initial report a state of emergency was raised and yet We'd all seen this before, every zombie movie ever. People didn't know who to trust. People were stockpiling food and weapons. Some tried to flee, but it seems every zombie movie was right. They didn't make it. Three days later, they arrived in my town. I expected moans, shuffling corpses, dismemberment, but that's where the movies lied. They ran through the streets, screaming. I remember running to my front door as fast as I could, locking, barricading, doing anything to make sure it would stay shut, and then I headed for the window. I was on the second story and I could see the carnage. They were unstoppable. They were aware. A group of them, made their way through a building across the street they jumped straight through plate glass windows even the shards slicing through them made no difference they just kept coming my barricade wasn't going to hold i rushed around my flat grabbing supplies and jamming them into the most secure room of the flat I went back for one last look across the street, and I wish I hadn't. In a second-story window, my face met one of theirs. They knew where I was. I quickly dashed into the room and locked the door. I don't have any kind of panic room or a secure basement, so the safest place I could think of was my bathroom. No windows, one door with a lock. I would filled my sink and bathtub full of water so I could stay for a while. I sat there in a dark room with distant screams in my ears. I began to feel like I'm may have overreacted it had been two hours with no sign of them it actually got quieter and i thought they moved on maybe i could leave the room get to the kitchen grab more food wait it out a crash came from the front door the sound of someone running full force into the door and knocking down the barrier behind it There were a couple more crashes before I knew they were inside. Rapid footsteps moving around the flat, a couple screams and then a bang on the wall beside me. My eyes were open to their widest, even in the pitch black darkness of the room. Another bang and another. They knew I was there and they knew I was scared. This was the zombie nightmare I had been expecting from the start. I had nowhere to run. There was only so much time before they would break in. I sat with my back to the door, hoping my extra weight would make it harder for them to get in, and then it got worse. Why don't you open the door? A voice on the opposite side of the door. No screams or moans, just a quiet, whispery voice, and then more of them. We've come for you. You'll be happier if you open the door. It's not so bad. The whispery voices became a cacophony of noise trying to persuade me, to break me, to fool me. I had heard that the moaning of the zombies would drive people insane, but this was worse. A siren call. I sat in the darkness Mm -hmm. and hoped and prayed that they'd get bored, but they don't get bored and they don't leave. I managed to use the mirror to peek under the door, only to be greeted by horrible, unblinking eyes, blood-smeared faces, screams, and more horrible whispers. That was two days ago. I don't know what to do anymore. Maybe it won't be so bad.
1: Persuaded. I like the idea of uh, a smart zombie. It's kind of different.
0: It's uh, it's almost like they took the um, the rage virus and gave them the ability to talk, to think, yeah, or be coherent. Yeah,
1: kind of. Like it's it. pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of like that.
0: Yeah, it was good. Yeah, 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 that was good.
1: Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I yeah, yeah that was yeah, good. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I
0: kind of like it. Um, I think this one's about
1: little kids. Okay. Right <laughs> up my alley then, yeah?
0: <laughs> I think it's, I think this one's about a little kid. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's literally about a baby. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will uh, I'll read for the baby <laughs> Okay uh,
1: Julia said sitting in her playpen Dan could hear her sloshing her juice around in the sippy cup from across the room as she waved and attempted to say hello Hello Hi baby girl he said lounging in the recliner next to the fireplace and looking intently at his laptop he gave a half hard wave back still reading the news as he switched between his multiple open windows, from a comic to stock listings to a new site, his daughter tossed the juice of cup over the edge. He heard it hit the ground, glanced up quickly, but decided to deal with it the cup later. Then he heard the rattling, and she picked up one of her toys.
0: Uh-oh.
1: She said again. Her wave communicated to her father by the way of rattling. Hi again, beautiful, he said, offering a half-hearted wave back to his general direction on the playpen. He couldn't remember being this tired since Julie had been born. Despite the loss of sleep, the general frantic energy his adorable ball of joy he seemed to possess was contagious. With Lisa gone for the weekend, though, the girl was taking her toll on the young father. He spent that morning trying to teach her to play catch. Her still-developing arms reacting on a significant time delay from reality. Then they'd gone to the park for a picnic, and after an hour and a half of preparation, only have a rush back home when it started raining. Some ridiculous series of videos featuring badly uh, computer-animated insects dancing to Mozart, had dominated her afternoon, and by extension, his. Anytime he wasn't shaking his booty to Wolfgang's fat beats, Julie would start crying. She'd gone down for an hour-long nap around 4 p.m., that seemed to supply her with more energy. Enough energy to try talking for the next four hours. <laughs> now at 9 p.m., Julia was up, later than some teenagers. If Lisa were home, Dan knew the girl would already be sleeping soundly in her crib. Dan took the electric razor approach to bedtime. Once in a while he let the batteries run out completely. The only catch was his batteries were running out too. He hoped hers went first. He closed his eyes for a moment and thought about calling Lisa, the home's main breadwinners. She had her district meetings a couple times a year, but he knew that the events tended to be half occasion. He didn't want to bother her. He jerked his head back up. No, he was not going to pass out before his toddler. Maybe Julia could recharge his batteries a bit though. Slamming his legs down to shut the recliner and jumping to his feet, he turned on his play voice. Hey there, girl. Wanna try?
0: Uh-oh.
1: She cried, standing against the side of her playpen, leafily waving her rattling, psychedelic-colored but- stuffed butterfly. He shut up and stared at her. His dumb, happy dad looked frozen on his face. She wasn't looking at him, and she wasn't waving at him. She was facing the hallway to his right on the end of her room, which led to the bedroom, nursery, and bath. Um, hey there, he said. Over here. Hi, baby girl. She looked at him for just a moment, smiling the smile of someone who was already happy before he showed up. Then she turned her attention back down the hallway. Uh-oh. She squealed, waving again. He frowned, glancing at the hall from where he stood, and even though he couldn't see down it, then looking back at the rapt joy on the taller's face, he stopped closer. Julie's attention down the hall seemed to fade as he got closer and she plopped on her bottom and picked up a doll as she stood in front of the playpen and stared down the unlit but obviously empty hallway. As a childproofing measure, they always shut the three doors in the hallway, the nursery on the left, the bedroom on the right, and the bathroom at the end, and they all looked to be quite closed. But Dan, who had always valued paranoia or false security, strode back to the mantle and grabbed the fire poker from the stand, then returned to the hallway. Holding the poker in his right hand like a Truncheon or in a baseball bat, He didn't bother with stealth as he approached the nursery. He flung the door open, flipped on the light, and did a quick sweep of the room. Behind the door and in the closet. Leaving that door open, he went for the bathroom next. With slightly more hesitation, he opened the door and flipped on the light. The bathroom was small. Efficient, Lisa said. The only possible hiding place was behind the shower curtain. Remembering horror movie cliché, so universal it was almost part of the human brainstem, he slowly stepped to the bath, held the poker with both hands, and hooked it around one side of the curtain forced open. Nothing. He rolled his eyes as he stepped back out of the bathroom, leaving the door open and the light on. Now just one room left. Now that he was this close, he realized he'd been wrong. His bedroom door was definitely ajar, if only by a touch. Just enough that it didn't latch. He didn't imagine he would have done this. He closed his eyes for a moment and took a deep breath. Then he opened them, and lightly cleaned the door open. His left hand gripped the poker of his right hand scrambled for the light switch. Finding it, he bathed the room in incandescent safety, and there was nothing apparently out of place in the room, but he gaped at the opposite wall. The window was wide open. There was a moment of blind frenzied spires spiders crawling through their brain in terror, and he held the poker and spun around the room quickly, sure he missed something horrifying. Then as he saw the damp floor, he realized it hadn't been raining for hours, he remembered. He opened up all the windows earlier to save the AC, and when they came back on from their aborted picnic, he shut them all due to the rain, except this one. Julia had started crying for a movie just as he reached the hall, and before he got into the bedroom, he was out there turning on the classical moving loving bugs and dancing with them. He quickly stepped onto the soggy carpet, went to the window, and shut it, It for all he could have did now. He needed to get some rags and towels. Leaving the third door open, he started back down the hallway, eyes locked on Julia playing in her pen. The next thing he knew, he was walking much more quickly down the hallway to Julia. Baby girl, what is that? He asked, unable to maintain a play in his voice time. Was grinning, eyes wet and shining, clutching to her chest a teddy bear. She didn't seem to be bothered by the bear's missing button eye, or split leg seam, or its dampness, or the smell of years of mildew, mold, and rot. Then thought his face was going to fall and hit the floor. He barely mouthed a swear word, and then, out of some programmed parent response, didn't finish it. "Come on, baby girl, we're getting out of here," he said, scooping her up and being enveloped in the bear's stench. He wanted her to let go of it, but he didn't have. The any intention of sparing the time to fight with her. He held her with one arm and fished his pockets out of his keys. They weren't there. He already had fiery panic almost consumed him before he remembered he left him on the bench by the front door. He made it to the door in three long strides, grabbing the keys and forcing his feet in some already tied shoes, not bothering to pull the backs out from under his heels. He threw open the door and slammed it behind him. He would even considered pausing momentarily to lock it behind him. As he approached his car, almost running, hit the keyless entry button and heard the reassertion clunk. His head at the roof as he slid into the driver's seat. Julia still over his shoulder. Screw the car seat, just this one time, he thought. Keys are slammed into the ignition. Car whipped into the car or into the road in reverse. All thoughts of seatbelts or possible destinations driven from his mind by singular, overwhelming need to get as far away from his house as possible. A block down the road, he exhaled for what seemed like the first time in ages, and he realized Julia was breathing steadily. Cheek nested on her shoulder, arm pressed against his hand still clutching her new toy. Despite everything, he left one shrill, almost bark-like release of adrenaline. His breathing changed immediately of course and she woke back up. He felt her head shift, propping her chin up, her view now over his shoulder. A moment later, her arm, foot arm lift from his. In his peripheral vision, he could see the foul bear swinging wildly as Julie waved into the back seat.
0: Uh-oh. Gnarly. <laughs> I, I kept quiet to the best of my ability, as you read that story. Really great, by the way. Your your reading skills have really improved over oh, the ten year of the show. <laughs> um, I was um, I was enveloped in your story that I didn't once want to stop and be like, "How often has your daughter done creepy shit like oh, this my to goodness. you?"
1: It's even my like, it's even my like, so I have a, a son and a daughter. Yeah. My son is autistic, and I feel like when it comes to things like this as far as uh, spectral or non-spectral, I feel like even my son is much more on a different level than my daughter is. I feel like my daughter is more on the uh, absolute nutball terror side of things, while I feel like my son is more in touch with the world around him than most people are. I feel like he witnesses more and he experiences more he listens more rather than talking i feel like everybody's just kind of waiting for their turn to talk and being autistic i feel like he listens he sees what's going on around him more so he's more susceptible to things that are necessarily aren't there or aren't there there's times where i've caught him talking to nobody and talking to himself and having conversations with himself and... The audience... The
0: audience can't see because this didn't carry over but the minute he said that I looked at him wide-eyed in terror. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, um... There's... There's things... Like... You kind of... As an adult, you kind of brush it off and you think, like, well, they're not really talking to anybody they're just being kids you always call it we always call it as an adult when we have kids oh they're just being kids they're just being kids yeah but what if
0: what if they're not, seeing something yeah, else what, what, if they're actually, they're what if they're not being kids? kids what if
1: they're not actually being kids what if they're actually yeah. having conversations <laughs> with somebody Where if what <laughs> if when my son is running around the room talking you know whispering stuff and talking to stuff and you think oh he's just being a kid and, you know oh calm down you're okay and what if he's actually not? What if there's actually something that's actually there sitting there talking to him? I can't see it. Because <laughs> I am, you know, I'm not autistic. And my brain's just not developed in that certain way. And we call them savants. And we think of these people as being, you know, not necessarily less than us, but look at it as a disability. And what if I always
0: liked the word different. different. I, I, I babysat um, uh, an autistic kid from his, his age was probably from ages 4 to like 7 yeah, and it was really tough but he um, he didn't talk much he just had this um, uncanny ability to like memorize fish mm-hmm. and just like whenever I asked him about what fish he was thinking about that day he would just pull out some index dictionary yeah. bullshit and just give me a page out of his book on fish yeah. and he would just talk about this specific trout and then he would give me like two pages of indexed information about mm-hmm. this fish, and then I'd ask him what he wanted for dinner, and he would look at me like I just slapped him yeah. in the face, like he had no idea what I was talking about, yeah. like dinner.
1: What if we food? Were just? What if these people are just on a different plane than we are? They're just on a different level. I it, it
0: it is it is wild to think yeah. about the human brain and what it is capable. We talk of, about
1: and, we talk about multiverses and things like that theories theories and what if secrets people are (laughs) just living on planes at the same time what if they're yeah our physical
0: bodies are all at the same spot at the same time but like what if our mental situations are fragmented or you know even even um, reflective you know like what if um, what if he's not only not seeing something that's there but like seeing different things at different times I because think, of the way that his brain works.
1: And I think that is all imaginary kids in general. I mean besides besides Oh, who's we we or lose or,
0: we lose our our imagination, our ability to see and think things as we get yeah. older and become more attuned to reality, but I think like there are absolutely people that still, like, maintain that, like, connection. And there are even, like, disabilities that inhibit those connections. Like, schizophrenia, yeah. Yeah. The, the manipulation of your mind telling you that things are there when they're not. Yeah. That's a nightmare, man.
1: But if you were just so in with the world around you besides our physical world, are supernatural that schizophrenia is actually not a disease it's just that you're seeing really projecting. things you're actually projecting what you're seeing you're actually projecting your different personalities you're actually projecting your they're not the that would make a crazy head, movie but you're actually projecting the the multiverse versions of you and that's what schizophrenia actually is, is that you're so in tune with the world that in a you. different
0: in a different universe you're your character is seeing your life is seeing something and you're just Getting a different version of it right now.
1: That person that comes out of you when you're in schizophrenic is actually that version of that person in that multiverse. Makes
0: me think of Legion. A little bit. Legion is, Legion is like that a lot. Yeah. He taps into a different version of his life yeah. from a different timeline. Um, let's wrap this shit up. I got one more story okay. left. Oh, that, I didn't mention it. We kind of just jumped into it. That last story's title is at oh. Yeah. Which is uh-huh. at, at, uh, which is like the baby noise. Uh-huh. Um, that was from Creepy Pastas, so those were two Creepy Pastas back to back. Um, it's been a while since we've read good Creepy Pastas, but I felt both of those were actually really good. You're good. Um, this last one naturally is called "Why Babies Are Born Screaming," okay. which um, I actually do have your name here. Um, if there, I have a feeling that this guy's just going to be talking, but if it, if there's any voice that isn't the narrator, I want you to read for that voice. Okay. Why Babies Are Born Screaming Recall your earliest childhood memory. How old are you in this memory? Four? Five? Developmental neuroscience tells us that we do not form episodic memories before the age of three. Supposedly, memories from before this time are merely phantoms, errors in the brain's memory formation process, ordinary daydreams mislabeled as fact. This is what the current research tells us. It is important for you to know this. Bear with me, reader. I will not waste your time with endless foreplay. Here is my story. I'm a graduate student studying linguistics. My work often overlaps with that of neuroscience department, and I've made many contacts there. One such contact is the subject of this story. Let's just call him DV. DV is also a graduate student. He studies memory. He uses a procedure called transcranial magnetic stimulation. This uh, procedure uses magnetic radiation to activate targeted portions of the brain. Imagine a magic wand. You can point at a cluster of neurons and say, dance, and they dance. Two months ago, DV asked me to assist him in a pet project he was developing. He has assisted me in the past when I was learning to use an EEG for my research. I owed him a great deal. I had no choice but to help him with his work. DV is what I have instead of friends. I arrived at his lab after hours as requested. He was waiting by the door, wearing a lab coat. It was far too big for his frame and swallowed his shoulders. He looked childlike. Are you ready? Ready for what? I asked. He had not told me any details about the project.
1: I just need to practice focusing on the machine. He said, I'm targeting an area of the brain no one has targeted with this device before.
0: I consented with little hesitation. He had happily served as my model subject when I was learning the EEG. Academia is built upon exchanging of favors. Besides, his machine doesn't even break the skin. I made myself comfortable in his, ex- <coughs> in his examination chair. It had leather wrist restraints, but they were never used. I was facing a bay window. The lab was high on Campus Hill. The night loomed heavy over the orange city lights. A few cars floated along the highway.
1: Just try to relax.
0: His breath was minty with undercurrents of gin. He turned on the magic wand and felt the familiar buzz of electricity on my scalp. The vibrations converged on points just behind my ears on both sides of my head. The points began to burn. My hair stood on end. How do you feel? He was whispering but his voice was thick with anticipation. I think he already knew the answer to this question. Before I could respond, I heard a cry from down the hall. Someone was screaming in the stairwell. Someone was howling like an animal shot through the leg. I heard flesh cracking. I heard tendons popping. I heard a voice choking on words. Someone was vomiting up my name in the stairwell. I think I need to take a break. I tried to look at dv but felt hands holding my head in place i tried to move my hands but found that the wrist straps had been fastened how long have these been there no one responded the moaning down the hall grew closer someone was pounding on the doors they were locked but the door to the lab wasn't Please turn it off, I said. The current from the machine felt like lightning coursing behind my eyes. The window grew larger. The cars on the road skidded out of control. I watched headlights plunge into the river. I watched headlights careen into each other. The city lights blinked out one by one. The darkness of the landscape was so thick I could wade into it. So I did. I was out there, in the void. There was more distance before me than the earth's horizon provides. I was alone for a precious instant. Then the darkness was broken by a man. He was the man from the hall. He was... A man without skin, muscles and sinew all twitching, veins and arteries all splurting. I could see his heart shrivel in his chest when he looked at me. He was all slaughterhouse, no humanity. He was so close I could smell the rotten meat on his silver bones.
1: Do you remember me?
0: His teeth were gripped out like a racehorse. His frame was blurry as if dislodged in time. His mouth looked like a slow exposure photo of a burning carcass. Yes, I said, because I did. When I was young, too young to form memories, I had a dream. In this dream, a man walked behind me and told me things about the universe I didn't want to know. He was a man without skin, he was a man standing before me in the void. He followed me through movie theaters, through city parks, through howling tunnels and unkempt forests and childhood homes, only to find me huddled in the corner of my bedroom closet. He spoke a few words. I don't have words for the things he said. I woke up soon after, drenched in freezing sweat, lips burnt with vomit, eyes sore from rolling in their sockets. My mind tried to reject the memory. I have searched every language for the words I have heard that night but no tongue of man has ever spoken the things I heard. There in the void, there in the lab, the man had found me again. The machine fractured my defenses and let him in. For the second time he spoke those words and for the second time my mind refused to keep them. At some point, what seemed like an eternity later, DV removed the device from my head and as suddenly as waking up from a dream, I came to my senses. How long was I hooked up for?
1: Less than a minute.
0: He had lost his tone of knowing. His voice was quiet and trembled as he spoke. Untie me, I said. I then realized my wrists were not bound. DV was frozen in the corner. I stood up and gathered my belongings. My ears were ringing, each in a different pitch. They were dissonant. There were the... Last notes of a song I hadn't heard in 20 years. I'm not coming back. Please don't contact me. DV nodded. His skin was as white as his lab coat. I walked five miles to my home. I didn't trust myself behind the wheel of a car. The night was silent as I walked. Even the crickets were quiet for me. When I got home, I vomited into my bathroom sink. I watched my breakfast, lunch, and dinner circle the spluttering drain. I looked into the mirror. My shirt was drenched in blood except for a pattern of ribs across the front. The blood was still wet to the touch. My pockets were full of cartilage. My socks were soaked in afterbirth. I threw my clothes in the trash compactor that night. DV and I do not speak. I do not see him on campus. I complete my schoolwork regularly. I pay my rent on time. I fall asleep to talk shows on weeknights and to whiskey on weekends. I don't do too much dreaming nowadays. I especially don't think about my childhood. Somewhere in the unfathomed recesses of inaccessible memory, there are words that shouldn't be heard. A man without skin chose to tell me those words, and I chose twice now not to remember them. At the beginning of this text, I asked you to recall your first memory. I hope it was from when you were four or five. I hope it was a simple memory of your first injury or something similar. I hope these things, because somewhere in your brain, there's a memory of something you have developed. Your brain chose not to remember. I hope these things, because the infinite horror of those forgotten words is too great for the human mind to comprehend. I hope your dreams are blissful, and your nightmares leave you happy to be awake. And most of all, I hope that this story keeps you from exploring those damning and boundless vaults of your mind. When we are born, we have no defenses against the world, physical or mental. Perhaps it takes a few years to build these defenses. And perhaps the things we see before then
1: are better left forgotten. Oh, gnarly. <laughs> oh, gnarly I wish yeah. I
0: read that entire story as the, uh, the guy who introduces Twilight Zone, Rod Serling. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I imagine those last oh, few... Yeah. S- I want to reread those like last two sentences. Perhaps it takes a few years to build these defenses. Perhaps the things we see before then, are better left forgotten in the twilight zone. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fucking great. I thought that was good.
1: It's wild that we were just kind of talking about.
0: I love when the shit we talk about magically comes up in the stories yeah. we read. <laughs> Why babies are born screaming. <laughs> Reddit no sleep. <laughs> that story, I had your yeah. name next to it. I had I had it fucking saved for you.
1: It's fun. It is a good story.
0: I, I think that is enough for us today. I think we've, um, we did all the talking I wanted us to do about Game of Thrones. Oh we did all the talking I wanted us to do story wise and fear wise. And, um, I had a really good fucking time. It um, was a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> and, um,. What's your, what's your takeaway today? What's what's your notes for the children? Because you like to kind of teach a lesson at the end of every episode.
1: I do. Right? So uh, <laughs> I feel like... Uh, He's
0: the daddy of the podcast.
1: When you eventually come to a time where you do have kids, don't necessarily uh, take the things that they say as uh, not being true. Be open-minded. Because you don't actually know what kids are actually dealing with. Just because you, don't, seeing, just because you don't experience anything doesn't mean that your kids aren't experiencing anything. So,
0: When you think they see something, look. Take a when you think they're talking to something, look. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be aware. Because it could hurt you eventually. Oh, man. And just, you know, uh, keep your horrors checked. Yeah. Keep your mind vigilant,
1: and don't be afraid to punch baby in the face.
0: And <laughs> don't be afraid to kick your fucking child across the room, uh, specifically if they're coming at you with a knife. Exactly, making that making that fucking noise yeah. you were doing earlier. <laughs> oh. oh, you're mean. <laughs> you're mean. <laughs> no, sometimes. <laughs> thanks <Sometimes. laughs> sure. things. Better
1: off, damn. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. go. let the